This episode is dedicated to the listeners of Horror Movie Podcast because they're dead serious about horror movies. Welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, except in October, when we release weekly in order to celebrate Halloween. And this is episode 100, you're damn right, episode 100, Josh, Dave. Happening. (laughs) We're we're doing it right now. Who would have thought a horror podcast with Jay of the Dead would make it to 100 episodes? (laughs) Exactly. I, I'm, I love it that you said that because here is the evidence, triple digits, and we're going to actually talk yep. about that in just a moment. I love it that you said that. So this is a themed episode, and it is a part two continuation from episode 99, and our theme tonight is Modern Horror Anthologies in the year 2000 to present. And on horror movie podcasts, you typically hear in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases, with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City. And my co-hosts tonight are... Dave Dr. Shock Becker from just outside Philadelphia, PA. And Wolfman Josh and Jay, I like you. (laughs) Don't say that to me. It creeps me out. I like you. I like you. Man, that is so funny. Thanks. That's one of my favorites you've done so far. So Dr. Walking Dead really wanted to be here. I just want to tell everybody that, especially like people like Cora, who are Dr. Walking Dead fans. He is in Seattle tonight and he is partying somewhere in Seattle. He said he could join us if he could, but obviously his duties there have pulled him away. But he sends his love to everyone. Also wanted to mention too that later in the episode, we're going to be joined by some listeners. We have Dino, Juan, Shani Dreadful, and Adam joining us later on. I'm excited about that. And we got a number of voicemails we're going to be playing. But let's go back to the fact that it is the 100th episode. And guys, I want to get your thoughts about this. Wolfman Josh, what do you say about making it 100 episodes and not killing each other yet? Yeah, I mean, it's incredible because there were some of those early episodes when we were playing or we were reading every single listener comment that was on comment boards Mm -hmm. and we're getting up to those like three four six eight hour episodes where i was like i don't know if i can do this anymore this is yeah that was that was a bit much that was a bit much (laughs) but uh no i i love doing this podcast and even though jay you and i don't agree on what it is about this podcast that's so great um (laughs) you, you, you kind of like doing the new release uh frankensteinian episodes i'm a big fan of the themed episodes, mm-hmm. I I really think when we are in that groove, we're creating something special. Yeah, and that I'm proud to be a part of, and I and I love the idea of just that we're able to leave something behind, uh, like those themed episodes. I, I'm proud of the work we've done. So every chance we get to do another one, I relish in it. Me too. Thank you. What do you say, Doctor Shock? What do you think about 100? It's, I think first off, it's, it's amazing because. 
it, it really did fly by. I, I can't believe we're at 100. Uh, even when you take into account the few times that, you know, we, we tried going weekly, um, it, it still was, you know, I, I came in at episode two. Uh, and it's <laughs> yes. it's just amazing that it's gone that quickly. And, and uh, I'm very proud of, of, of being part of the show. And I thank you for, uh, for inviting me on way back when because it's um no i i love uh i love being part of the show and i love the community and uh it's just wonderful and if and if you all out there think that uh, jay and josh have a contentious on-air relationship you should just see the emails that go back and forth (laughs) (laughs) i know well we yeah we do spat a lot but like you said josh i think it is through that push and pull and give and take that the, the show becomes what it is. And, and Dr. Shock is just here to um, referee and be the uh, <laughs> voice of wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. He's our, ins- I mean, I think it, it speaks to that. We're both extremely dedicated. Yes, absolutely. And care absolutely. about it. And, uh, and that Dave just really doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> I just, I just sort of long for the ride. Yeah, that's no, right. Dave, Dave definitely, um, it's hard to rile him up and he's, he is a calming presence and I, he makes me embarrassed every time I get annoyed about something. <laughs> I, I have riled I, him up before though. Oh I, I yeah. Jay's Jay, Jay, found, Jay's found a way to do it a, a few times, <laughs> probably more than, probably more than anybody else. But, um, and then we could always, of course, go back to the Godzilla episode that that's right and and there were some really good well, I, well there are lots of times actually uh, i can think of now when i got you fired up but dave i was gonna mm-hmm. say you said thanks for inviting you along i can't even imagine doing a horror podcast without having you on the panel yeah. well thank you and yeah i've been i've been there for um well from the start I, with the uh with the weekly horror yeah um and that was uh that was great i mean i first off you had a great concept for that and i thought that was uh, it was really cool yeah and then just from there and when you when you invited me on here it was just i didn't even have to really didn't really have to think much about it i was just like yep sure i'm there that was kind of you to accept because yeah for those who don't know this is the nutshell we started the weekly horror movie podcast back in october of 2011 as part of the horror palace network and I was on that for about 14 episodes, and then I left. But it kept going under the the <laughs> the leadership of Midnight Corey, and that went for a full 26 total episodes. And then, shortly thereafter, I came back for Horror Metropolis, where we did something very similar, but I only lasted 10 episodes on that, and then just <laughs> crashed it into the ground, and that was the end of it. And then... I just, I missed it too much, and I'm like, you know what, that's it, we're doing this, we're doing it right, and I'm just, I just want to say I'm very proud of the fact that we're still going 100 episodes later. We launched episode one of this in October of 2013, so it has been- Wow, that's three years. Three years. That's hard to believe. Yeah, three years. I mean, I was having a hard time comprehending that it was five years since Weekly Horror, but for three years for this, it really did fly. It's just amazing. Yes, it has. Yeah. What were you going to say, Josh? Sorry. No, I mean, it seems almost ridiculous to talk about inviting Dave on the show now that he's been on for 99 episodes. But, um, I, you know, it was a big deal, I remember, because we really wanted to try to do this pseudo-intellectual approach to horror. And you'd kind of, you know, talked about, let's assemble a dream team. And we started out with Kyle. Mm-hmm. And after episode one, 
it was already clear, like, oh, Kyle's not really going to have time to do this all the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and that that has played out a bit. And we said, do we get another host for this? And immediately, I just remember thinking, there is no one on the planet that would be better than Dave. And Dave was committed to doing Land of the Creeps, and he had to give the infatuation. And so, I, you know, I wasn't sure if he was going to accept our request. Yeah. But I was so I was like over the moon when he agreed to do it. And, uh, you know, again, that oh. seems ridiculous to talk about now that we're on episode 100 and that was on episode two. But um, <laughs> but I still remember just being like, we can't even we can't do this without Dave. Well, totally agree. I'm 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 honored and I thank you. And, and I'm thrilled that I agreed because it, it is just a, a great show. And I'm hoping it lasts for at least 200 more because I have a great time. It, it really is a blast talking with you guys, and I will definitely do everything I can to be at the next meetup. Nice. Um, just to just yeah, just because I'd like to meet everybody. Oh, uh, it would yeah. be great Jay to meet all the listeners. And... What'd you say, Josh? I said even if Jay has to drive Dave himself, I know there that would go. be cool to come across. swing by, pick me up, and then then we'll we'll head back to it's in Salt Lake City. Just swing swing over to the East Coast, pick me up, and uh, I'll be there. <laughs> I <I'm, laughs> I would enjoy that very much. I bet we could talk about movies across the entire country. Oh yeah, commuting Absolutely. across. I know we could do it. Now, Dave, here's the thing. Um, we're gonna do that first of all. We're gonna get you here next year, yep. and then the other thing is, I I'm glad that. Uh, Wolfman brought up Kyle Bishop again. So for those who don't know, Dr. Walking Dead, Kyle Bishop, is our fourth official co-host. He uh-huh. is legitimately part of this podcast. He's just, he is a uh, professor and he has a lot of duties in the higher education field, but he's extremely smart, very intelligent. Oh, yeah. Love having him on the show. He's just so busy, but you can find little traces of him. Um, through this podcast and even a guest appearance on Horror Metropolis. So, oh yeah, so yeah. oh that's right, also, that's right. And I don't know if you can still link to it, Jay, but there was a really great episode of either considering the sequels or Movie Podcast Weekly where you guys talked about the Romero films with oh, Kyle. Yeah. It was considered considering the sequels. It was, it I was is. supposed to be I was supposed to be on that show, and that's when I had to be rushed to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember. Yep. Yep. And Kyle's is for this is some deep cut trivia right here. Kyle Bishop's first ever appearance on any podcast, um, and, you know, not to mention horror podcast, was when I invited him to be on that Horror Palace special when we did the best horror movies of the 80s and 90s. That's an yeah. incredible episode. I highly recommend it, it. And you can find it on Bill Shetty's site over there. He's got it in his archives at Horror on the Go. And I'll link that page in the show notes. But you can hear that's Kyle's first appearance. And he brought it on that show, too. So he's, yes, he's done he a fantastic job. His few appearances here have been uh, have been extraordinary. Whenever he's on, it just really raises the level. You know, and I know he was for the he was there on the Poltergeist episode. Uh, and obviously the the scream. Yep, absolutely. So um, and hopefully he can he'll be able to make time to be on a, be on some more. Okay. Yeah, I I wanted to just say, as long as we're talking about all this stuff, um, I know we have new listeners all the time, but it still sometimes surprises me when I talk to one and they just have no idea like what we actually do. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and um and you know in iTunes and Stitcher the episodes don't go back all the way. They only I think they only go back to like episode seventy. So if you are a new listener, um, I know we you know we had a couple new ones just this week writing on the 
comment boards at hormonepodcast.com. Yep. Um, you know, there are a lot of awesome episodes there, and they may not be on iTunes, but you can stream them from the site. And I'd recommend doing it like on a desktop computer. You can go and download those episodes and still throw them on your phone or your iPod or whatever. Um, if you go to the sidebar at horrormoviepodcast.com, we've listed all of our franchise reviews when we covered all of the films in the Halloween franchise, the Friday the 13th franchise, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, the Scream franchise. We've done crossover franchise reviews with the Sci-Fi podcast on Phantasm, uh-huh. with the Dead as Hell podcast on Pumpkinhead. And then we have all of our themed episodes that I have mentioned I'm so proud of on the sidebar where we talk about stuff like proto slashers or Bigfoot movies and really dive deep into those odd themes and subgenres. So yes, if you and, and the, person, and check them the, out. The, the, the sidebar is incredible, Josh. And I know you did the work with that, with the, with the thumbnails and everything. It's just absolutely incredible. Um, and I love going and looking at that. I just like looking at that sidebar and seeing all of those, those different episodes and, uh, and the artwork he came up with those—it's yeah, great. Josh's artwork has certainly raised the bar, <laughs> raised the level of the quality on our show. So, yeah, Josh, yes. we appreciate what you do for that. It's exceptional. Oh, thanks. Uh, um, now, so I'm—I'm um, I'm sorry for the listeners if you feel like we're going on and on, but this is quite an achievement for us to be able to do this. And I just want to just a couple more, just real quick shout outs. I have to mention. My my hero podcast, like the true inspiration for me, which was the greatest horror podcast ever, and that was Planet Macabre. And I got to give a shout out to uh, Bill Shetty. He influenced me a lot, and Greg Amortis. And Doctor Shock was on that show. He's one of the original members, as well as Hell Hunter, and then Lady Phantom was on there too. And but, episode episode one of that uh, of Planet Macabre was my first ever. Uh, podcast. I'd only been listening to podcasts for about a month or so at that point, and and um, uh, you can tell I'm just nervous as hell. I, <laughs> Probably the first two or three episodes of that of of that uh, of Planet Macaw. I am just nervous as anything. Well, I thought you did great, and I and I mean that. And you guys were my heroes. Like when I heard that the podcast, I just loved it so much. And then that turned into Horror Jungle. Well, first let me just say I always have to say this. Because I'm insecure. Um, one of the greatest oh. honors for me was being a guest on episode 10 of Planet Macabre when we reviewed yeah. our favorite horror film ever, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think you, you, me, you, and Bill Shetty were we the only ones to give it a 10? I, I believe so. Yeah, it was a shame. Yeah. But but yeah, yeah, we we knew what the right number was to give that one. And and, mm-hmm. and that was incredible. You can also find that at Bill Shetty's archive. I will link that in the show notes. And then after that was Horror Jungle. And um, Bill Shetty actually invited me to be a part of that. And I, one of my true regrets in my life was, you know, not being able to do that. It only ran for three episodes. But, man, I loved that crew on Horror Jungle. It was it was a great crew. There were eight of us. The, I think it was just a little too many. And I think mm-hmm. that's part of why it, it only made it to three episodes it was i mean it was yeah. great i mean the, doing the shows was excellent it was just a lot of people at the same time and uh, it was eight hosts i believe yeah but yeah he yeah. And, and he was really busy and i i do gotta say i mean seriously i don't mean to sound sappy but uh, bill shetty has been a, a huge influence on me i'm really grateful for uh-huh. him he he has uh, been so busy lately I've actually been begging him to come on the show and he wants to but he's just been working and traveling so uh-huh. much 
and he hasn't even had time really to run horror on the go very much. No, he he hasn't. Unfortunately, even though, even on Twitter you see him, he's he's only on there very sporadically. Yeah, uh, but, anymore because he's very busy, and he's he's the reason he's. The only reason I became a podcaster, actually, yeah, was him inviting me on. Yeah, so we, I feel like we got to pay tribute uh, to where, <laughs> give credit where credit's due. I think Bill Shetty is just tremendous, and um, I, I think he's a legend in horror podcasting. I also want to uh, just kind of celebrate our uh, Greg Amortis as well. He's another yeah, huge yeah. hero of mine, and I know he's your co-host on Land of the Creeps. And great news, I'm just a great guy. He is a great guy, truly, and he's yeah. he's actually planning to be on our show for the next two episodes, talk about 80 slashers with us. I'm really oh, looking he, forward to that. Or he's the man, because that was his segment on um, uh, Planet Macabre, was, was talking about slashers, so that's right. He's definitely, the one to, uh, he's definitely the one to talk to about that. Now, that's awesome. Yes, absolutely. And, um, of course, we want to take the time to thank all of our listeners who this episode is dedicated to. And as I've said, like at the end, we're going to have some interviews where we have some listeners come on and review some modern horror anthologies with us. But just to get things rolling, I just wanted to express appreciation to the listeners for all of their support. We've gotten a lot of encouraging and (laughs) very nice messages. And honestly, it has been the one thing that has kept me going all this time, seriously. And so here's just one example. We're going to play some more stuff later, but I just want to give one example. This is from Allison with an I. Hello, Jay of the Dead, Dr. Shock and Wolfman Josh. This is Allison with an I calling from Montgomery, Alabama. Wow, guys, 100 episodes. This is amazing. I can't tell you how much this podcast has meant to me. Over the last year, you guys have gotten me into horror again. You've gotten me passionate. You've got me excited. And I just want to say thank you. And I'm so, so glad that you're so interactive with your with your listeners. And, and you guys are just great. I can't say enough. So I'm looking forward to 100 more episodes. You guys, you're just great. That's all I got to say. <laughs> that was so nice. Thank you, Allison. Very, that's excellent. Thank you very much, Allison. Thanks, that's Allison. Very nice. <laughs> She's the best. Next, we've got another voicemail here from Kagan in Salt Lake City. And before we play it, Kagan is the gifted musician who provided that badass orchestrated rendition of Fred Ingram's HMP theme music at the beginning of this show. I love it so much, Kagan. Thank you. And uh, Kagan actually included a few other surprises in the extended arrangement. So we're going to be playing that for you, the entire arrangement, at the end of this show. So make sure you stick around for that, because I promise you it is worth your time. But in the meantime, here's a voicemail from Kagan. Happy 100 episodes. I have to admit, Jay of the Dead, you look older than 100 with all those brains dripping out of your head. Be sure to keep it dead serious or else. (laughs) Remember, I'm dangerously local. Okay, that's that is a little bit creepy. It's a, it's a little scary, but uh, well deserved, and that's just uh, another reason why we can't cover Twilight on horror movie podcasts. But yes, No Escape and The Last Descent, those are fair game. Thanks, Kagan. And here's another voicemail from a listener of Horror Movie Podcast. Hi guys, this is David from the UK, and I'm sending you my congratulations on reaching your 100th episode. 
horror movie podcast was basically the first podcast I ever really invested much time in and it set the bar extremely high uh, and still to this day you guys always come through with high quality, fascinating, entertaining, insightful content and you also do something that I feel is really important when it comes to film criticism. You provide us, the audience, with the tools and the platform necessary for us to reevaluate our own preconceptions regarding the horror genre and the films within it. And there's just been so many times when a discussion on the show has made me think about a film I've seen countless times before in a totally different way, or maybe even inspired me to give a second chance to a movie I might have initially disliked and written off. And that gift of the ability to appreciate something anew is such a cool thing to be given. It's something for which I'll be forever grateful to HMP, um, along with the consistently informative, hilarious, thought-provoking, sometimes divisive discourse, um, and also for cultivating such an amazing online community. Um, I look forward to episode 200. Oh, man. That's great. That was awesome. That was incredible. If I could talk like David, I love his voice. <laughs> that accent is incredible, man. I love hearing uh, the voices of our listeners. Obviously, they yes. hear us. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Those relationships and, are a little bit one-sided until you've heard their voice, and you're like, "Oh, it's yeah. David." There you go. David uh, online twenty hours a week about that's great. Survivor. <laughs> that's great. He's been. He's another one who's been there from the from the start. I, mean, I think he's yeah. been leaving comments since way back when. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I always say of David, and, and I'm sorry if this offends anybody else, but I have no true way to measure this. But it just seems to me that David has got to be one of the most intelligent people like, that I even know in general, mm-hmm. like period. I mean, he is so yeah. smart. His comments are freaking Absol- amazing. Absolutely. I'm, I'm pretty sure he just gets drunk and then types them up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. Thank you, David. He's the, what, the the Charles Bukowski of the the, HMP. That's right. We got one more uh, listener voicemail here for you. Hey, this is Christian, a.k.a. Chris Excess, wishing Horror Movie Podcast a happy episode 100. Here's to 100,000 more. My heart goes out to Dr. Shock, Dave Becker, the Wolfman Josh, and especially... My brother, Jason Piles, the J of the Dead. And all the fans out there keeping horror alive, keep listening to the best podcast, the best horror podcast out there. Long live the horror movie podcast. <laughs> oh, Chris Excess, that was freaking amazing. Oh, he's, he's, he's great. I mean, I've, I've known Chris for years on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going back well before the, I was ever, you know, I think I, I met him before I even started podcasting. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and he, he's just a great guy. He really is. He was one of the, one of, he was there with UJ um, as, as one of the first uh, on Twitter who mm-hmm. I was like talking with, or you know, communicating with on a regular basis. And then, wow, that's great. Thank you so much, Chris. <laughs> I, I also just love, I mean, three voicemails. We get an Alabama accent. Although, sorry, Allison, she's going to hate that because she's not from Alabama. I think she's from Georgia. (laughs) We get a a beautiful Southern accent. Mm -hmm. There you go. We get this even more beautiful British accent, David, geez. And uh, (laughs) and then to have Chris with his delicious Mexican accent. It's so cool that we have these 
such diverse listenership and I feel like so close to all of them um, in different ways. So I don't know. That just makes me happy. Absolutely. Me too. Yeah. And uh, Chris has always been extremely supportive. He yes. actually, uh, he, he, <laughs> he does a lot of work for promoting the shows. And, um, and one time I saw a picture where he, he was just, it was really humbling and just so gracious of him. But when he would listen to the weekly horror movie podcast, he would write down the movies and what each host rated them and kind of keep records for his own, I, I guess, when he was deciding on which movies he wanted to watch or not. And I thought that was so cool. That was. And a great guy. He really is. Super humbling. Yep. We really appreciate yep. that. And then one other example of just what a great community this is. We talk about it all the time. But this week we got um, Jeff left a, a comment on episode one and he's a prospective maybe potential new listener so shout out to jeff if you're listening he said so as someone who only just discovered this podcast should i just kick it off with this episode referring to episode one i noticed <laughs> that my podcatcher apps stitcher itunes overcast don't really go back past episode 70 or something and and before i could even answer this comment Sal Roma jumped on the comment boards and just, I mean, it, it almost brought tears. He expounded and gave his opinion on what, what Jeff should do or what he thought would be a good approach to this. And it just meant so much that they just like reached out and like warmed this potential new listener into the fold. And so I just want to thank you all for what you do and making it a great place to be. Absolutely. Definitely. This is Bill Shetty from Horror on the Go, and I congratulate HMP for hitting the century mark. That is truly a great feat in this podcasting arena that we all live in. Jay, Doc, and The Wolf are some of the most talented horror critics in the business. Not only that, they are all genuine and very nice people. I am honored to call them all my personal friends. So here's to you guys. You have my best wishes. Hey guys and gals, Greg Amortis here from Land of the Creeps Horror Podcast, wanting to wish our good friends Jay of the Dead, Wolfman, ow, 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 Josh, and Dr. Shock a very happy 100th episode. Epic, cannot believe it's 100 episodes, guys. You guys rock, love listening to you. I'm such a huge fan, have loved Jay and Josh and Dr. Shock for so many years, man, have known these guys, and they are outstanding podcasters and outstanding people in general, and I love supporting them. So thankful, guys, that you've hit that 100th mark. I'm hoping and praying for devil horns to the sky that you guys make another 100 and 200 and 300 and on and on. Just hope that you keep on keeping on, and I love you guys to the moon, and as I love to say over at Land of the Creeps, help keep horror alive, and we do that one movie at a time, one review at a time. Once again, congratulations on number 100, guys. Way to go. See you on the flip side. Peace. All right, so just cutting in here on Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Y'all know it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, <laughs> Josh, it's hard not to be obnoxious on the 100th episode, or on any episode, <laughs> actually. <laughs> but Dr. Shock, Dave Becker, will be kind of popping in and out of this episode, kind of like whack-a-mole, you know, because 
he actually has to get up for work in like three to four hours from now. And so we have pre-recorded his segments that are going to follow in the show. So every once in a while, Dave's just going to pop up mysteriously. It's going to be great. (laughs) Weird, right, Josh? Yeah, just pretend he had to go run and grab a drink or go to the restroom. That's right. Now, Josh, before we get into this stuff, I got to know, did you, in fact, catch up with Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids? I did. Okay. And I have, now it was only, it's only one tale. Okay. But, um, I, I, I okay, now Jay, it's not that I don't trust you. <laughs> But um, your description of the show sounded so uh, intense that I was afraid to show it to my kids without pre-screening it. Okay. So this time I have not yet shown it to my children. Okay. Um, But I I will say it did pass the test from me. It wasn't quite as... um, troublesome as i as i thought based on your description although it's close <laughs> okay was it the was it the grandma one that that i wanted you to watch yeah. no 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 it's it's called a tangled web oh okay yeah and um i i picked this one up just because it was one of the few that you could purchase on amazon as a, a physical copy okay right but it still had seven tails in it and uh, I believe Grandmother's Footsteps is the one you're talking about. Yes, yes, I love that one. Okay, I just started at number one. So I have not made it all the way through yet. But there, this does have seven grisly tales on the disc. <laughs> okay. Um, and the, my review of them is this. I, <laughs> they're interesting. They are... It's a weird type of parenting, though, because it's it's trying to, as I as I see it so far, scare your children about the world. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just like in uh, Arrested Development, how the dad yeah. would hire that guy with one arm to scare yes, the kids. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly like that. And on that show, that was supposed to be seen by the audience as, oh, the father is a crazy person for enacting this type of uh, discipline or, or teaching. <laughs> and so I'm just gonna say it's borderline. Okay. But I do think it's interesting. And I think, I think if I continue to pre-screen these, um, I could definitely see how this would be useful, but I don't love the idea of just scaring my kids so bad about consequences that, that that's why they're <laughs> so I don't know. So you genuinely think? Um, well, side note, real quick. So listeners, just in case you don't know, I mean this this actually does this an animated series. We talked about it on our horror for little monsters thing, but this is built like an anthology. So so Josh, are you saying that you think that your kids would kind of take these to heart? Because because my kids kind of shrug it off and know it's just kind of a cartoon. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, well, I'm not I'm not judging your kids or anything. I'm just saying that they, they know that it's, I mean, the grandmother's footsteps one did kind of creep them out. I have to say <laughs> and me too, for that matter, it's a little creepy, but for a kid's thing, but yeah, I just think there are ways you can teach someone something with like a positive reinforcement. And then this would be like the opposite version of that. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, um, it's interesting. Like, and, and I, I, it's, it's not something that I'm I'm definitely going to keep pursuing it. But like okay. the one I watched was called The New Nanny. And oh, it has I like that. Have you seen that one? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like that one. Okay. 
Okay, so like it's it's interesting. There's a a, a creature in it, a monster, mm-hmm. and um, this transformation occurs as you as you can imagine with the new nanny. It's something that um, <laughs> the children are, you know, very deathly afraid of, but they're um, their what do you call their behavior has to change in order for them to survive. Right. <laughs> Now, what parent listening doesn't want this for their kids, right? <laughs> but Josh, seriously though, doesn't Nigel Planer his his narration that makes it right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's freaking hilarious, and I'm not into horror comedy or anything. But man, when he like, I don't know which episode it is, and this is totally not going to play on the podcast. But when he says. Mr. and Mrs. Frightfully Busy, like my my wife and I refer to ourselves as frightfully busy. But anyway, he makes it. So I, it sounds like this is kind of a, a semi. You, you'd recommend the listeners check this out if they want to show their kids something or not. I mean, I think, yeah, if you have ill-behaved children, um, <laughs> I would I would suggest checking this out and seeing if you can uh, scare them into submission. You know, I joke a lot about, you know, controlling the small undeveloped brain of my children um, and forcing them to kind of become clones of myself by, you know, exposing them to all the same things I grew up with. And that's sometimes I'm dead serious. And sometimes I'm, you know, we have my tongue firmly planted in my cheek. And so like, I don't know, this is one of those things where it's like, it jives with my worldview of child manipulation. (laughs) <laughs> but almost like but but i'm also i don't know it just it's a little it's a little too far i don't know I, I i don't want my kids to be scared of the world i want them to feel empowered and uh and i wonder if there are better ways to go about some of these things like there's one called death by chocolate that's on this disc uh-huh. and i want them yeah. to eat healthy foods right but i don't know if this is the best way to inspire that in them. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But yes. Okay. So far, the new nanny wasn't necessarily relevant to their lives, so I'm I'm not going to show this one to them quite yet. But I will continue <laughs> pre-screening these. Up next is the Spaghetti Man. Yeah, so we'll I like I like the Spaghetti Man. I like that one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate the recommendation, and I and I think it's funny. And I, I mostly laugh throughout them. Right, but it's like it's kind of like a sick laughter of like I, I, the idea of showing this to them cracks me up, and the idea that this is what you show your children cracks me up. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because if the listeners haven't gathered, I mean, these these are uh, cautionary tales, and the punishments for the children are quite severe. Actually, like I mean, this yeah. this is along the lines of like you know Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, right? The Oompa Loompas and. Mm-hmm. What happens to those kids? It's very yeah. in that vein. I mean, like the old fairy tales are that too, you know. I mean, it's certainly they're not getting off any easier than Hansel and Gretel would have, or whatever. <laughs> right? So. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's got us warmed up. Then I'm so glad uh, that you watched that. So uh, just to move in to open our discussion. I mean, last week we talked about old school horror anthologies, kind of a bumpy episode. We agreed. I mean, not one of our better episodes and and for me josh you know i'm okay with anthologies i don't hate them or anything but i actually don't seek them out and so a lot of the anthologies i've seen were the old school type anthologies i haven't seen as many of these so but i still think we have a good episode because we have some valuable stuff to talk about 
But the first thing I just kind of wanted to clarify is I, there's a term called like a, a hyperlink film. Have you heard of that? A hyperlink film? Hmm, I don't think so. I just wanted to make the distinction in case, you know, just to put it out there. But this is something I learned about recently where hyperlink film is kind of, it's similar to an anthology where you've got like an A story, a B story, a C story, but then it blends back through just like a novel would or something like that, or a TV series where they continue on with the A plot line and the B plot line and they're all interspersed. Um, they're more connected. Oh, yeah, it's, it yeah. is kind of interesting. Whereas like an anthology is like an A story and then it ends and then a B story and it ends and so forth. And it, it does, it can have a little bit of an overlap to it, but that's so how hyperlink it almost sounds more like a television series, like an HBO series. That's like eight episodes long or something. And then the, yeah, like all ongoing. Exactly. A perfect example of it for me, at least the television series is the wire because it is the most like a novel um, you know, that I've seen of any television series. But anyways, uh, just a couple notes about anthologies, especially modern ones. And I want to get your take on this too. Um, as we've discussed, I think that horror is one of the genres that works best on anthologies because it seems to end with like a, a punk, you know, a punctuation, like a, a some kind of a punchline or an exclamation point. Usually in horror, it's a scare. Anthologies tend to work in comedy because that ends with a, you know, a punchline or a, an actual joke. Um, it seems that horror anthologies, especially these modern ones, tend to be a little more transgressive, Josh, because they're horror now is regrettably less about suspense, generally speaking, and it seems to be more about shock. So I think these, these more modern horror anthologies reflect that trend where it's more shock. Yeah. And we've talked about too, how there are various directors instead of just one, you've got an ensemble of directors or like a collective of directors and you can sample their talents. Whereas back in the day you still had this, ensemble thing happening but uh, it seems like you do this more and more now and I bet you that may have something to do with the studios just being risk averse I'm just wondering um, yeah. now we got a lot of these new ones employing found footage convention and I'll be yeah. talking about that later and then they have you know because they have such a short amount of time to convey the story a lot of times and this is anthologies in general the exposition and the setup can be really abrupt and bumpy, but um, th that's kind of my thoughts on the movies from 2000 to present. What what do you have to say about modern horror anthologies? Yeah, I mean, I recognized this setup punchline dynamic in short films when I was first considering making films. You know, I remember going to like my, my first film festival and watching all of the award winning shorts and trying to kind of analyze what worked and didn't work about them. And I just remember feeling like, okay, it's these ones that work as a joke, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's why, that's why they're effective in the short form, but it's not that interesting for 26 episodes. If you're talking about something like ABCs of death, <laughs> right? you know, you've got, it's just not that much fun to listen to 26 set up punchline things over and over and over and over again. It gets kind of old. And totally agree, actually. Even thinking about stand-up comedy. Like, I'm a big stand-up comedy guy. You are. But the comedians I like are the storytellers. And 
you know, Mike Birbiglia might get up or Pete Holmes or John Mulaney or Kyle Kinane. These guys might get up and they'll tell a long story about their life. And through it, there are these hilarious laughs interwoven all the way through. But it's not just the old school Rodney Dangerfield comedian. Just and I don't know Rodney Dangerfield's comedy enough to actually say that. But I get no like, respect. Yeah, the old style <laughs> of just like, here's a joke, here's a joke, here's a joke. It just isn't that funny right like the the traditional cat skills comedian that woody allen was always riffing on in his early career just getting up and telling joke after joke like dad jokes and that's kind of the vibe i get from some of these modern horror anthologies it's just like it's getting a little tired and it's not necessarily the filmmaker's fault all the time it's just is something to do with the format right I think it's interesting looking at abc's of death and vhs is that these were anthology series um made by kind of cults, film studios and filmmakers who were probably really interested in recapturing something that they grew up with, with uh, Tales from the Crypt, Tales from the Dark Side, Creepshow kind of thing. And I think they were like, let's do that for our, with our modern filmmakers and take a new, fresh take on it. But like anything, once it's been done enough, and once it's been copied enough, it starts to feel tired again. And it's, it's unfortunate because yeah. I think when I remember when I first saw VHS being like, wow, this is, this is different. Like there's not a lot of this kind of thing out right now. And, and even ABCs of Death, you know, I remember just those first few letters, you know, mm-hmm. Apocalypse through Dogfight. I just remember just being like, this is insane. This is so good. But by the time I'm getting to fart, I'm not quite as enthralled already. And it gets you know worse as it goes right. in some ways. Yeah. But um but you know the it's hard when there are so many hit or miss and it's that long. Like I think it's okay for me if there are four or five segments and one of them doesn't work. That's that's easier to handle when then mm-hmm. even twelve segments like Tales of Halloween. And, you know, four of those not working, that's more difficult to sit through for me. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think I see a lot with the modern horror anthologies. We talked a little bit on the last show, this idea of, well, if it's one director, it's nice to have a specific story idea. Yeah. But when it's a ge- more general theme, then you can get a lot of directors uh, talking about the same topic. And I think ABCs of Death is a great example of well, the idea is it just has to start with this letter of the alphabet, and you can do anything. And it and has so to think, depict death, right? Yeah, and so I, I think it's interesting. It's a great idea, or it's at least a fun idea. And I like that it frees the filmmakers up so much. But again, that lack of cohesiveness ultimately, I think, works against the experience. Um, you know, rather than working for it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, um, I actually submitted a short film for ABCs of death too. I don't know if you knew this actually. Oh, I didn't. Um, I believe, I can't remember what the letter was. I think it was M, but they, they were taking submissions for one of the letters. And I was just thinking, man, it would be crazy to, you know, I'm always thinking about how can you do a horror documentary? And I had been up in Alaska shooting this moose hunt. And I thought, wouldn't it be crazy to, uh, like send them this documentary, this guy hunting down this moose and killing it. And ultimately I think it was just actually like really bad taste. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because it's, it is, that's so exploitative. It's like the worst thing, you know, we can imagine when we talk about something like, um, 
you know, Cannibal Holocaust. It, right. I didn't film. I didn't film this content uh, with the intention of it being exploitative. It was showing a community, but when it's then presented in this way, then it just feels awful. So, um, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, I you know I pulled my submission for the film, but that was you know I had I had my my uh, composer like score some scarier music for that scene. It was essentially just one scene from my documentary. Um, oh, wow. But anyway, I, I'm sorry. I got a little sidetracked there. But oh, um, I love that. So anyway, that's an example maybe of something just being so far afield of everything else that would be in the film. And so it's kind of an exciting, fun idea. But then if you're sitting down watching them all, it can kind of start to drag. And it gets a little boring and tedious at times for me watching that many entries. I, I totally agree with you. And even though... I do think I like ABCs of Death better than people might suspect. I think that that's the problem with a film like that. Because as you say, I mean, the structure is basically the same. And when you get it 26 times, you almost become desensitized. Because, yeah, they're really not about um, characters as much. There's not a lot of weight behind it. It's just strictly being transgressive and just showing shock value. But once you've been shocked a few times in a row, it just starts to kind of, um, you know, you get numb to it and it's just the same structure over and over. Yeah. And I still, I think I respond most strongly to these films that have some kind of good connective tissue. Mm -hmm. And we see less and less of those, I think with modern anthologies, I think that's a, a thing of the past. You know, we don't have a crypt keeper in modern times really anymore. Um, you could suggest that we see a little bit of trick or treat. Maybe you're going to talk about that. But I know that you know, we're going to talk about Southbound later with Dino, and that's a film that really has connective tissue, but it doesn't, it doesn't have someone guiding us through. Mm-hmm. And VHS has this great wraparound story that I think is some of the strongest, one of the strongest elements about the film. But on the other hand, um, it still doesn't quite pay off like I wish it would or, or should or could. I agree. It's, it's better than most, though. That, more, that's true, but strictly because it exists as a wraparound, where, whereas a lot of them don't have that. But honestly, I wonder how you would feel upon revisiting it if you still feel the same way. Because I did actually rewatch VHS for this, and um, I was like, man, that wraparound story is kind of thin. Right. But and then getting to VHS 2 and VHS Viral, by the time I'm there, even though there are things to appreciate about those films... Uh, the concept I don't care about anymore. So like that wraparound element, that idea yeah. that was so unique about the first film is really feeling tired by VHS two and VHS viral. I, I uh, saw VHS two and it was, it was pretty good. I didn't like it quite as much as the the first one for some reason, yeah. maybe because it, the novelty wore off a little bit, but I did not see viral. What did you think of it? I, I like them. Okay. But I would say it's for me, diminishing returns each film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, there were a couple of elements in VHS two that I actually really liked a lot, mm-hmm. but, um, that I thought there were also more misses in that episode or that anthology. Than yeah. They were in the first one. Yeah. I remember you liked two better than I did ultimately. It seemed like, but yeah. okay. I don't remember reviewing that, but, um, I guess I must've at some point talked about it with you. Yeah. The, um, these are all just as long as we're talking about all of the VHS films are streaming on Netflix in the United States for free or with a subscription. 
on Netflix, all three of them. And then on Amazon, I know the first one is streaming for a subscription and the other two are streaming for two ninety nine digital rentals, just in case people want to check those out. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Okay. So, um, so what we'll do kind of what we did last time, unless you had anything else to say about generally speaking about modern horror anthologies, was there anything specific? Like, I mean, in I do terms think, of- yeah, I think that filmmaking is a little more interesting than they were in some of the old ones. I think people are taking, and again, this is a good and a bad thing, but it's, I think they're taking this opportunity to experiment a little bit more, mm-hmm. which I like, Yeah, like Ty West in VHS, his segment is so unlike House of the Devil. You mean second, almost, second Honeymoon, that one? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like the exact opposite of what we'd seen him do before. And maybe it's his attempt to kind of check out like this found footage uh, mumblecore style that he'll later implement in the sacrament. And so it's interesting to say like, oh, okay, like maybe this is an opportunity. You know, we saw that with Eduardo Sanchez as well with his segment in uh is it vhs2 that his is on the ride in the park yeah i believe so well he he told us when we interviewed him he specifically used the elements that he learned in that and maybe he was even using that as a test for what he ultimately doesn't exist right so i like this idea that these can be a, a an experience for the filmmakers where they can stretch themselves a little bit and flex different muscles and try something new out and that's something awesome about it. And it's also something that can make it a little tedious. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. Totally. So, okay, Josh. So we're starting with the year 2000 then, and we're going to kind of do what we did in the previous episode. Hopefully we'll do it a, a tiny bit better, <laughs> but, but with my, uh, thin depth of knowledge on the modern horror anthology, um, maybe not, but anyways, what's the earliest, um, modern horror anthology starting with 2000 that you came up with. Hmm. I, I, well, I didn't really list them chronologically. Okay. So, so maybe the wrong person to ask about that. All right. Well, I got a few and we'll just, you know, just stop whenever you want and, and we can just kind of talk about them as we go, especially if you've seen them now, three extremes. Now I don't know. I mean, it's like South Korean film, um, we're going to be talking about that later with Juan, so I won't discuss it now, but I think that was around 2004, at least in the United States. But what's weird, and I'm very confused about this, it has a sequel called Three Extremes 2. At least that's my understanding that it's a sequel. But on IMDb, it actually listed as a 2002 film, so I have no idea about that. So listeners can tell us in the show notes <laughs> if they have a better sense of something like that. Um, and then there's one from... 2006 called taxidermia i I don't even know if i'm saying that right yeah taxidermia have you seen that one no i don't think i've even heard of that one okay me neither i haven't seen either but it's basically about uh three generations of men including a pervert they constantly seek for new kinds of satisfaction an obese speed eater and a passionate embalmer it's listed as like comedy drama horror i have no idea I, I don't know how that is, but it sounds weird. <laughs> and, okay. and what about this? I don't know if you if you would, because I, I think this qualifies, but if you look at the Grindhouse release, right, then, you know, like mm-hmm. something like Death, Death Proof is in there as a, as a yeah. segment. And, I mean, do you count the Grindhouse stuff? No, but I like the idea of it. I think you take, um, you know, that was those were two feature films. Mm-hmm. 
that were sandwiched together with some fake trailers. Right. I think it does have that vibe. And I like the idea of that. I would like to see more of those, you know, when they talked about doing all those fake trailers, I'd like to see a collection of just little shorts in the grindhouse style. I think that's fun, but um, you know, they've also since talked about expanding those trailers into future films like they did with hobo with a shotgun. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, and machete. Right. But, um yeah i don't know i don't really think of those as quite the same thing but i i like like where you're going with it yeah it does it yeah it feels a little bit like that but i i see what you're saying and then you know at least i think that brings us to my feature review which is one of the most famous i think modern horror anthologies which is also one of the most beloved and that would be trick or treat time of the year there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow always stay on sidewalks never go to a stranger's house and never go out alone Okay, so I'm sure the horror audience out there like the the people who are listening to this podcast I'm sure they've seen Mike Darkey's film I always pronounce his last name wrong. Mike Dougherty. I I just have a hard time saying that. This is not (laughs) the trick or treat from 1986, obviously. This is the film. He actually finished this in 2007, um, but it was actually written way back in 2001. It was the first screenplay that he had ever written. And so that's kind of interesting and cool. And uh, Mike... Mike Doherty, it was inspired by a little short film he did. He created um, this little character in a short film called Season's Greetings. It was like a four-minute short, and it served as the inspiration for this. And the main character in, that ties the stories together in Trick or Treat was in this little Season Greetings film, which I love, by the way. I don't know if people out there have seen it, but if you have the DVD, they show it on there. It's in the special features. Um and, and based on Season's Greetings, you know, people love that so much. He wrote his first spec script for Trick or Treat, the feature film. And then people saw that and Brian Singer actually brought him in to write uh, X2 or X-Men 2. And so, oh. yeah, I mean, he, Mike Doherty, I mean, I think maybe people don't realize it, but like he, he worked on X2 he also wrote Urban Legends, I guess it's the third one, Urban Legends, Bloody Mary. Did you see that one? Yeah, I know some guys who worked on it. They shot it in Utah. Oh, cool. That's cool. Uh, do you like it? or? Not really. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <I> <laughs> like, um, he doesn't either. I like, so. Well, I like Kate Mara a lot. And Me too. So anything Kate Mara's in, I'm automatically interested in. Um, of course. But also my, fr- my friend Don Shanks, who plays Michael Myers, in uh, the Halloween franchise, I like uh, seeing him come back in a movie like this as a horror mm. character. Right. Okay. That's a minor spoiler alert. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, he also uh, he also wrote Superman Returns too. So I mean, this guy's got some serious, you know, weight behind him. And I also wanted to say um, once again because I'm insecure. This is probably a film. I mean, I love this film a ton, Josh, but I probably wouldn't have chosen it for my feature review. But we had gotten a lot of requests to kind of talk about this a little more in depth. And so the listeners have wanted to hear our take on this for years. Yeah. And and so I I feel like, you know, 
honestly, it's been so celebrated and discussed so much that I'm not 100% sure what I can add to it, but I'll just give kind of people my two cents. So I hope everybody's okay with us covering this a little more in depth. But what I like about Mike Darty is he says that um, horror is his first passion. He's a true fan. Um, I heard an interview with him once and um, he was asked like, what, what are his favorite horror movies to watch at Halloween? And of course he said, John Carpenter's Halloween. He said, he also liked it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. He likes that Bugs Bunny cartoon that we talked about and he likes <laughs> monster house. So he's totally my kind of guy. He's got my same sensibilities as far as that goes. And he said that his inspirations that directly influenced this film, he cites uh, John Carpenter. And I, I heard him say that Brian Cox, the actor, um, he said he was in charge of his own makeup. And he said that he wanted to physically look like John Carpenter. So the look of Brian Cox in this film is supposed to emulate John Carpenter himself. That's funny. And of course, he also uh, cited uh, Sam Raimi, of course, and the just 80s horror in general are the things that really inspired him. But, you know, in terms of getting this made, I mean, the first screenplay that was written back in 2001, uh, his objective, Josh, was to try to bring back the horror anthology from the 80s because he said, you know, in the 90s, it's kind of like died, more or less. And it was very difficult for studios to even listen to him, he said from 2001 to 2006, um, I guess they were just passing on it because number one, he said, you can't kill kids in a horror movie. And, uh, right. and, and like, yeah, there's a, a famous scene with a bunch of kids and he wanted that to be changed. The studios wanted to change it to like a bunch of 20 somethings, have them in college. Oh, you're right. And he's like, no, And I guess the original producer, like the guy that he went to initially to get behind this was Stan Winston and Stan. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yes. Director of Pumpkinhead and special effects wizard, of course. And Stan Winston wanted to do a thing where you kind of put together a bunch of big horror directors. So they were talking to um, John Carpenter, uh, George Romero and Toby Hooper. And they took that to the studios and they still said no. If you can believe that. Wow. I know, right? Isn't that nuts? Because they're like, can't kill kids in this subgenre, horror anthologies, it's dead. You know, that's what they were saying in the in the aughts. Idiots. So Brian Singer, um, once he did X2 and proved himself and Brian Singer was pleased with him, um, Brian Singer encouraged Mike Doherty to just go ahead and direct this himself. And um he helped. You know, Brian Singer, obviously, is the director of X2. He helped Mike Doherty get it set up at Warner Brothers. And, um, you know, they still had problems with it because he's a first-time director. They thought, you know, same thing. And they thought it was a weird mix of comedy and horror. And so the way that he ended up selling it to him is he brought in just a, a ton of art and storyboards to try to convince them of its value and the movie did get made but then they kind of pulled the plug and hit the brakes they didn't release it and he said at least in the interview i heard he i've heard him say that he he still doesn't really know why it never got a theatrical release you know they suspect it's just politics and a bunch of bs but he said that he wasn't bitter about it josh because he thinks it was kind of you know the best route for the film because 
taking this route, it became this underground little cult film, which is just people right. loved. And people were talking about this movie for years, like the, about yes. how it was supposed to come out and like when, when was it going to come out? And right. I remember that was a big deal. Yes, absolutely. And I remember hearing about it, um, you know, a couple of years before it actually hit. And I remember just wanting to see it so bad and just being really frustrated that there was no way to get a hold of it. Well, luckily, and I think this is super cool because the mainstream media, and I'm sorry if all the listeners are already like, you know, know all this or you're bored. Maybe this is common knowledge, but the mainstream media was not really covering this. Obviously they weren't doing much with it. It ended up being people like, well, people way greater than us. <laughs> We're not great at all, but like Harry <laughs> Knowles was the guy, Harry Knowles of, uh, ain't it cool news? yes, ain't it cool news. Thank you. He wanted to have this, have its debut screening at the Buttonomathon yes. <laughs> film festival in Austin, Texas. And if, if people aren't aware, they show movies there for 24 hours straight. Have you ever been to one of those, Josh? No, no, but it sounds like a lot of fun. I've always wanted to go to Buttonomathon. We should do that sometime. That'd be, That'd be a good fun. thing for us to do as, as BFFs. But um, he, so Harry Knowles went in Trick or Treat to debut there. And he put it on the slate as the last movie. So this is like at the end of 24 hours when people have been awake all that time. People have been drinking and watching lots of movies. But he said people liked it. There was a great reaction. And then this online buzz happened. This groundswell through the the bloggers and all that stuff. Word started spreading. And then it was at Scream Fest in 2008. And then it even got more hype behind it. And then it just had this huge buzz. And then they were finally able to take all of these reviews and all of this buzz back to the studio. They did release it on DVD. And uh, yep. he, he, they, they, I, got, I remember getting I got it the day it came out. I know. Right? <laughs> I know. I bought, I bought it, too, actually. And they said that the studio is actually very happy because it when they started selling it on DVD, it did 70 percent better than the studios expected it. It even hit yeah. the top three in, at Amazon for a little while. And yeah. it was pretty cool. So anyways. Well, that, and it had a limited theatrical release, like very limited. Yes. And it still made its budget back. Like it, it cost $12 million to make. It made $13.5 in theaters, which is not a lot. But considering how little faith they had in it, how little they marketed it, like – and how short the window was, it still made its budget back, which is awesome. And then it made a fortune on DVD. Yeah, incredible. Now, here's what I think's one thing that's unfortunate about this film, and that is, you know, on one hand, Josh, it really helped it, and ultimately I think it helped it, that there was so much buzz and so much positive feedback about it. It's a good word of mouth. But for some people, it was really overhyped. Uh, and and I think yeah. people had their expectations set up and like when you had people comparing it on the level with like John Carpenter's Halloween, which I, I could are, I'm just saying before people freak out and turn this off, I could argue that I think I know what people were trying to say or what they were meaning when they would say that, which is basically it's a perfect movie to watch at Halloween annually but um but it's bad just for the horror filmmakers out there it's bad for anybody to label their film or compare it to halloween because it's never going to live up to people like greg amortis people like you you know what i mean it's just not going to happen so but i know that josh you 
have said that maybe you don't love this quite as much as most people. And I just wondered why that is, if you don't mind. Yeah. I mean, I think I was one of those people who had a negative reaction due to all of the hype. I think I watched it and I was like, Oh, all right. That was, <laughs> that's fine. You're like, and Oh, was, I'm glad I waited seven years for that. Yeah. Um, it's better upon revisit. And especially now that there are so many horror anthologies to compare it with, it's hard to not say it's one of the best out there. You know, it's yes. even looking at the ones I really like you, you have to look at this and say, okay, wow, this is constructed far better than the majority of the horror anthologies in the modern era. But it was just so underwhelming for me at the time. Um, it's hard for me to overcome that. Like I don't ever really feel super excited to watch it. I agree with you though. It is the perfect kind of Halloween time movie. And I think there are a few of those now. I think, you know, that's a shift we've seen in the horror anthology is you see a lot of movies that are just made for Halloween, mm-hmm. which I like, you know, there are, um, and I'm going to talk about one of them actually in a little while. Yes. But, um, you know, whether it's Halloween night or whatever, All Hallows Eve, I like the idea that these movies are created for the Halloween time because for a long time it was just the Halloween movies. And, and by that, I mean the franchise with Michael Myers. And previous to that, you know, I mean, I, I still watch plenty of horror movies and horror comedies and, and creepy films around the ha- Halloween season, but it's so fun to have something that is thematically designed for the holiday. I think that just adds something to it. But yeah, I don't know. Like the Sam character, it's not really interesting to me. Um, really? It's not, okay. It's not the type of horror character that I'm that interested in. Um, and I don't think he functions in that interesting way within the, the plot of this film. I think they do something which drives me nuts, which is just really generic Halloween costumes. Now, there are some amazing moments like with the kind of Little Red Riding Hood vibe and, mm-hmm. you know, the big Halloween parade. But even in that amazing Carnival-esque Halloween parade <laughs> It still is not like it just doesn't look like what Halloween really looks like. It's just and you know I know there are obviously there are difficulties with um, getting permissions. You know you can't they right. can't use specific characters and that would be very difficult. Specific costumes, but even think about Karate Kid. Like Karate Kid gets Halloween perfectly correct. That's so <laughs> interesting. So you wanted a more realistic take. I see. I love the way Halloween is depicted with the very generic general monster type costumes, but it's you, one of my, it's one of my biggest pet peeves in horror movies. And even wow. within the, the Halloween series, like Halloween H2O, when it shows the trick or treaters, like shut up. There's not one child in the world that is going in this Halloween costume. Right. Just make them a, <laughs> I'd rather see a sheet ghost. Honestly, because it yeah. feels at least like a real costume. You see that like, in the first Halloween. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, like, I'm an H2O. Like, so like one of my favorite scenes in Trick or Treat. Mm-hmm. Um, so full disclosure. <laughs> Tell it. As I'm ripping on this movie, I made like a little fan film edit of this because, you know, I always I, I'm a big fan of mashup like and um, like video essays and stuff on YouTube but as like a professional filmmaker, you don't want a bunch of that stuff floating around online with your name on it. So right. um, I had never really done anything like that. But I, there was a song that I love called Halloween. Um, it's written by the Misfits, but this band Alkaline Trio that I'm a big fan of, um, it's more current, although they've 
they've been an old band now for a decade. Um, they did a cover version of the Misfits Halloween. And so I did a mashup with the Alkaline Trio song and clips from Halloween H2O and Trick or Treat. Mm-hmm. And just for fun. And I used a bunch of, you know, my favorite shots in the movie, but to kind of get that Halloween vibe, but it's still pretty weak because those costumes are so lame. So like when these kids are going trick or treating and they go up to the house and they're all scared going up to the door, those costumes they're wearing, like the clown costumes that they have on the, like the weird, like, uh, rainbow wigs that they're wearing. I don't know. That stuff just bums me out. So the kids on the school bus, those costumes, their look doesn't, creep you out like there the shapes of, really of their cool bodies no there are a couple of really cool costumes on there but i i think it would like design wise it's pretty cool mm-hmm. but if i'm supposed to feel like it takes me out of the realism of it i would just like some that just looked a little more give me a couple mixed in because every, i don't i don't buy that every single kid on this bus has this paper mache painted mask? I think you know. <laughs> just, just give me a little diversity. Wow. diversity. That's all I'm asking. Okay, okay. So, so that's. It sounds like that's your main gripe then in this film. Well, that's that's one of my biggest complaints. Okay. You know, I think they there are just little things that bug me here or there. Uh, you know, it's not. If I was rating it just on a rating scale, I think it would come in much lower than if I rated it against other anthologies. I think if I rated it against other anthology films, especially modern horror anthologies, it's probably a 10, like, up against those films. But if I'm just thinking of it on the scale of cinema, yeah, I come in a lot lower. Okay. Well, one thing I love about this, I mean, you can tell that Mike Mike Doherty loves um, Halloween itself. I mean, he, I I think the film is a celebration of the holiday, and because of his love for the holiday... He pulled together this iconography, and 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 some of it is he incorporated like actual Halloween lore, which there's a little, but then he also wrote some to add to it. And so I like that because we've we've discussed and um, before on this podcast how we like when people incorporate the holiday and use it well. So it's like a main backdrop to the movie, and I think this yeah. does that very well. I also think that. This employs both surprise and suspense. So it's not just like, and there's not a lot of shock in this movie. Like you get in something like, I don't know, <clears throat> ABCs of death. But like with this, it's they actually build with surprise and suspense. And I think yeah. that's kind of an old tradition in horror, uh, yeah. more than a new one. So I, I, I appreciate it for that as well. There are still some big surprises, but you're right. right. It feels more, this feels of all the films we've discussed that I, or that I can even think of that we're going to discuss tonight, the most cohesive as a piece of cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Dylan Baker story, I think, is like shocking. Yeah, it, it totally is. Yeah, and so you got Dylan Baker. I'm glad you mentioned some of the cast. Anna Paquin is in this. And her segment's very typical, kind of like punchline kind of. Right, that's right. Horror. Yeah, and Brian Cox that we've uh, mentioned already. But yeah, I mean, I wanted to talk about how I mean, for those who don't know, I'm sure every single person's seen it like 10 times, but I, I love how it's like four interwoven stories and they occur on Halloween night in this small town of Ohio called Warren Valley. And they involve a, a principal who's involved in some kind of macabre extracurricular activities. <laughs> you got a few kids who have de- devised a pretty cruel plot. You got four attractive young ladies who are looking for a good time. And then you get this grumpy old man 
um, who, you know, he's got he's got a past. Let's just say that. But and then there's yeah. the little Sam character who's kind of the mascot of this. He's the common thread and he helps to weave the stories together. Um, it kind of reminds you of like pulp, pulp fiction a little bit. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it's a very loose weaving, <laughs> but but, you know, it leads through the story. I kind of like that. Um, let me see here. So I, what do you think about the fact that the narrative structure of this film is kind of, it, it, it rearranges the timeline a little bit. So it's not strictly chronological. What do you think about that? I think it's great. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think one other complaint, I guess I, I mentioned Sam isn't like necessarily my favorite character, but I think if you, if they had just amped that character up a bit more and given him a full, fifth story that really tied them together. I think that would, would be something that would really um, bring the film up for me as well. Yeah. That's interesting. Now, now what about the concept of him being kind of this keeper of the Halloween tradition? And, you know, for those who break the tradition or punished, you don't, um, I like that. I just feel like it's a little, um, vague and I kept waiting for something I kept waiting for his story, I guess. And that's maybe the issue I had with it is I kept, it seems like, you know, when, when you're watching a, a movie and there'll be a celebrity cameo yeah. and you're like, well, the celebrities in there, they must be here for a big scene, a big reason. Uh-huh, yeah. And then you never kind of get that. Like, well, that was wasted. Why did they even have this person in the movie? Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I felt about Sam too. Okay. Fair enough. See, I love that little character and I, you know, it's like, it's got the creepy kid vibe to it. Like the burlap sack mask is kind of scary. And I heard um, yeah. a great little story where <laughs> he, let's see, it was Mike Dougherty. He, he was at some film festival internationally overseas and he ran into the uh, director of the orphanage, which is oh, uh, really? yeah. Yeah, Bayona, J.A. Bayona. And yeah. he came up to Mike Dougherty and said, you know, they were, they were good buddies. They were talking, they had this friendly little exchange. And he said, so, uh, your character, Sam is a lot like, uh, Tomas and my, and my story. <laughs> but he said, he was quick to say, I know that Sam was, I know that you made Sam first because Sam's from like 96, but he said, right. It was, it was really cool of him to kind of say, Hey, we got a similar character, but no, your yours was made first. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought that was really cool and kind of, humble of him and because yeah. freaking the orphanage is super scary to me um i don't know about you but i love it but oh i love the orphanage yeah yeah so anyway i think this is in terms of a horror movie as far as horror movies go I, it's kind of mild there's not a ton of gore or anything hardcore about it but there are lots of horror elements and monstrous aspects to it i think it's more fun than anything and i I dare it's anybody. Twisted, though, I would say. Oh yeah, extremely twisted. Yeah, it, it's disturbing for sure. And I, it's I not like a family-friendly movie. <laughs> no, and I've been trying to figure out how I could like get my my boy to see this, but I just don't think it's time yet for him. <laughs> but no. but the thing is, I defy anybody to try to describe this movie without calling it fun. I think that's like impossible. But yeah, I'd say it's like probably for like ages 15 and up at the youngest, probably just in my opinion. But um, one thing that's cool about this not really having a theatrical release, Josh, is that it, it's a neat little kind of like underground gem that you can share with your friends who are less in the know about movies. 
especially at Halloween time. And like our friend Carl over on Movie Podcast Weekly, he's not really a horror guy, but he likes to watch some good kind of scary movies at horror, you know, at Halloween time. And so I, I loaned him my copy of this and I'm still waiting on him to watch it. <laughs> um, I have to confess to everybody here that my rating of this has kind of really migrated over the years because as I've watched it, the more I've watched it, the greater I appreciate it. I mean, my initially my rating was in the seven or eight range and then I rated it higher. I can't remember what it was. It was like an 8.5 or a nine. So I'm sorry. That's inconsistent. I don't care. I'm just going to say it's a nine out of 10 for me. I think this rewards uh, repeat re- viewings. I think it has high rewatch value. Um, it's just surprising, and I'm really proud of it. I just I love this film. I'm proud of it just because it represents our era of horror, Josh. I mean, it's not my film or anything, but I, I feel some ownership in this because we waited for it. But, but what's your ultimate rating on this then? I gave it a nine and said buy it, must see. What do you say, Josh? I will say I haven't seen this in a couple of years and I will be revisiting it for the Halloween season. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I'll be interested to see if my review migrates as well uh, <laughs> and which direction it does migrate. Uh-oh. But um, I think I would be giving it probably 7.5 just off the top of my head. That's kind of where it feels like it belongs to me and um, I own it. So I don't have any problem saying buy it. It's definitely a movie that, I think you can revisit during the holidays every year and probably not feel uh, feel pretty good about that. You know, I think it's um, yeah. a good Halloween movie. Well, and since the uh, the launch of Horror Movie Podcast back in October of 2013, ever since then, uh, Mike Dougherty announced that there was going to be a sequel, Trick or Treat 2, that that was in the works, but I haven't really heard much about that. Do you know anything on that? No, I don't, know. Okay, so... Yeah, listen. Sounds like he's got his hands full for the next little while. Yeah, he does. And um, I'd like to see the sequel to this. And supposedly he's going to take it kind of in some surprising and different directions. But we'll see about that. Okay. Um, just going back really quickly, mm-hmm. um, because I, I I didn't have my films written down in chronological order, like I mentioned. But um, okay. just really quickly back to Urban Legends, Bloody Mary. I just two weird things to shout out really quick. One of them is that Rooney Mara... Kate Mara is the star of the film. Rooney Mara, her sister, who is now probably even more famous than Kate, um, is an extra in this film. She plays classroom girl number one uh, oh. in Urban Legends. Okay. And then a listener of this podcast, who is a friend of mine, he's uh, he's a producer I've worked with, but he just kind of started listening to the podcast on his own, I think just because I'm always posting about it on my Twitter feed or whatever. But um, John Shercliffe, he worked in the art department on this film. So shout out to John. I, I hope you're listening. And uh, that's cool that one of our listeners worked on, on that film of Mike Doherty's film. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, so which film did he work on the uh, urban legends one? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. for the record, John, I haven't seen that one yet. So, <laughs> and then there's a 2006 to. film that I have not seen that I am dying to see. The more I've looked into it, it's called trapped ashes. Have you heard of that one? No, I haven't actually. Okay, so among the directors, we have Sean S. Cunningham of Friday the 13th fame, Joe Dante, who's one of my all time favorites, and then Monty Hellman is also one of the directors. Who Monty Hellman is like a legit art movie director, as is Ken Russell, who is on this list of directors. Uh, but Monty Hellman's just one of my favorite guys ever. 
And then John Gaeta, who I, I don't really know, um, but he's mostly done visual effects for like the Matrix movies and stuff like that. So um, that one looks really fascinating. I, I need to track down Trapped Ashes uh, right away. But basically the storyline here is seven strangers on a Hollywood movie studio tour, which sounds awesome already, yes. are trapped inside an infamous house of horror and forced to tell their most terrifying stories to get out alive. Wow. I like that. Yeah. It's, uh, I see it's streaming on Amazon for three bucks, right? So I'll check that out. So, so wow. how do we not know about this? This seemed like with those directors that this would have been a little more prominently known. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. And it's two ninety nine as well on YouTube and Amazon video, voodoo and Google play. So it's out there, but I don't know. Maybe it got skipped over. Maybe it didn't have a good release or something. Wow. I'm excited about that. I'm actually going to give that a whirl. I'm going to try it out, Josh. Yeah. And then one other from 2006 um, that I like a lot and I think might bring up on a later show to talk about in depth is uh, Hood of Horror, which is otherwise known as Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror. Oh, yes. Okay. But this one feels like a throwback to the kind of Tales from the Crypt television series era. Uh-huh. Um, it feels a little bit like Tales from the Hood, which is maybe racist to say, but it's true. And... Um, yeah, it's one that I like more than I should, but I'm just a huge fan. This is a single director. I'm a huge fan of this director, Stacey Title. Uh, she has a new movie this year coming out called The Bye Bye Man that's that's going to come out. And, oh, I can't uh, wait for that. Really looking forward to that. So interesting to have. I mean, I'm always excited when I hear about like female horror fans, but uh, a female horror director, that's even more exciting. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. So, but I love how in Hood of Horror, in the plot description, it says a hip hop horror anthology. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, you because you need that. You know, you need that. All right. What about um? There's a 2011 movie called Little Deaths. I don't know if you've seen that. Mm-hmm. It's composed of three disturbingly sensual and terrifying short narratives unified by the twin themes of sex and death sounds racy. Yeah. The, the, the cover yeah, I art mean, is racy too. I've heard, I've heard, um, the orgasm described as little deaths. So I'm guessing that's the connection there between the sexuality and the wow. horror. How exciting. Okay. And then there's another one called Chillerama, which I know you're familiar with, right? Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Yeah, so tell tell us a little bit about Chillerama, if you don't mind. Chillerama is a fun idea. It's basically like a drive-in theater's closing, and so they're going to show these movies. And, you know, we get... This is from the guys, Adam Green and Joe Lynch. Uh, you probably know them from uh, Holliston or, you know, the other things that they do together uh, all the time. They're just like... They're the... I think they have a podcast that's big right now, but they're kind of like the public face of of horror a lot of the time in the modern age, I feel like. And um, they're just really involved in like social media and and, and kind of very public things. But I, I really like these guys, even though I'm not a huge fan of Hatchet. Um, and I know that you're a huge fan of Frozen. <laughs> I, I, I just like them. I, I like them as people. I, I find them really appealing. And Joe Lynch is involved in a couple of the films that we will talk about tonight during our discussion. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. It's, it's really low budget. It's really 
camp and ridiculous, but it's it's a good time. Okay. So it sounds like you'd recommend it with low expectations then. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, if you like, but if you like these guys, and I think you'll know if you do, um, then you should enjoy it. It's just, it's, it's not shot on like nice cameras. It's shot like on probably SD video. Um, despite it being in 2011, I don't know, maybe they had HD by then, but it, it's just looked really low quality, but it's fun. Okay. Hey guys, Boss Butcher here, and I wanted to congratulate you on reaching the Century Club. 100 big episodes of Horror Movie Podcast. Gosh, it's been a long time. I mean, I can't even believe it's been going on this long. But I wanted to congratulate you on behalf of my two podcasts, the Terror Troop Podcast and Found Footage Files. You know, we're brothers in horror, and I am very happy for you guys that you reached the 100-episode mark. But I know you guys are going to keep rolling along, and there'll be hundreds and hundreds more but uh, keep it going. You guys are great reviewers, and we all appreciate your take on horror. So here's to another 100 episodes from Terror Troop and Found Footage Files to the Horror Movie Podcast. So at this point in episode 100 of Horror Movie Podcast, which, as usual, we're recording out of order. At this point, it is officially Dr. Shock's birthday. It is October 13th, and so happy birthday, Dave. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. That'll be really weird when people listen to this out of sequence. But um, Dave, <laughs> Dave has a birthday surprise for us right here, and it's not what you're thinking. He's on parole for that little trick he did last <laughs> time. This is Dave's feature review of the Theater Bazaar. Theater Bazaar from 2011. It does have um, uh, multiple directors, and really, what ha- what had happened with this was uh, it was it was a project put together. It was between I think Severn Films and then the uh, uh, production company out of France uh, sort of co-produced this. And each director was given the same budget, the same schedule, and the same sort of directive. But other than that, they could come up with any story they wanted, as long you know within ten to twelve, uh, ten to twenty minutes, come up with any story they wanted. Um, and we do have, uh, I think it came out to be six six segments total, uh, including the wraparounds. Um, or is it? Uh, no, it might be six. It might be seven total. Hold on, I got to do the math. Well, anyway, let me get into it here. Um, the Theater Bazaar. It's it's it was inspired by France's. Uh, Grand Gugnol, I, I'm assuming I'm saying that correctly. Uh, you you were pretty the, close, I think. Okay, all right, well, <laughs> close is all I can hope for. Be honest. I took three years of French, and I remember nothing except Je m'appelle David, je regarde la télé, my name's Dave, I watch TV. Um, <laughs> so it's, 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 it's basically the Grand Gugnol is a Paris theater that specialized in uh, dark uh, you know these these sort of uh, these these very dark stage shows, um, and what it is it is okay it is um, six uh, individual uh, you know short films, 
Um, the wraparound is this young woman. Uh, she lives across the street from this abandoned theater, but she's drawn to it. So one night she just walks in there, pays it a visit, and what it is is she, she's like the, the audience for these six tales, which are being hosted by a clockwork mannequin played by Udo Kier. Uh, and he's the one who introduces each each of these stories. Now, it's not, you know, the wraparound, that's really what the wraparound is for, is to introduce each one of these, and it does get the job done, and of course, Udo Kier is, is always fun to watch. Um, the first few stories, I would say, you know what, they're well acted, and they're kind of interesting, but they're not the best. The first is Mother of Toads. Um, you have this, this guy, he's a student, and he's researching the occult, and he pays a visit to France with his girlfriend, and while there, they encounter this uh, this gypsy woman who um, sells uh, the girlfriend a pair of earrings um, based on the Necronomicon, and then invites her to come over to visit her at her house. Um, you know, the girl decides not to go, but Martin does, and he's sort of fascinated by what this woman has to say. Um, but uh, well, let's just say things fall apart once he gets there, uh, gets to the house. And then the next one is this uh, is one called "I Love You." Um, about this overbearing husband uh, who loans that, you know, his wife, uh, she's not exactly what he, who, th who he thought she was. Um, these two, they're, they're, for me, they're the lesser of the six shorts, to be honest with you. Um, they're, not, they're not awful. They're well acted. They're interesting. You're not going to be bored watching them. I just, I'd like some of the other uh, entries a little bit more. Um, there's, there's one in particular, and it's one that a lot of people thought didn't belong in here. I thought it was interesting. It's very short. It's called the accident. Um, uh, what happens is, is it's a, it's a young girl, um, uh, with her, I want to say with her uh, mother and they witness a fatal motor motorcycle accident. And it's just the two of them sort of talking about the nature of death. Um, you know, and why people have to die. It's, it's not long. It has a really great score. Um, and it's, it's interesting. It's, it's not what I would say a straight up horror short, but it is very interesting. Uh, and then, um, well, the other one that, that, uh, there are two of them that are, that stand out. I'm going to talk about those last. Uh, but then we have one called sweets. It's, it's sort of a comedic one. Uh, but it's, it's kind of gross too. Um, a woman uh, seduces this guy named Greg with, uh, with a variety of, of sweets, like, you know, cake, cotton candy, <laughs> pretty much anything you could think of. It works for me. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then announces that the relationship is over after, you know, sort of giving him all this stuff. But um, what happens is they meet again uh, under much different circumstances. And it's sort of a look at gluttony is, is what this is. Uh, it is an entertaining short, but it is really kind of gross, too. You're not going to want to watch this one while you're eating dinner. Let's just put it that way. Okay, so those four are, those are, those are four. The, my two favorites, though. Okay, we have one called uh, Wet Dreams. Um, this one is directed by, by Tom Savini. And it is uh, a very uh, engaging story about this guy. Every night he dreams, um, well, that his member is being chopped off. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit. It's, and, of course, when you got Tom Savini doing the effects, you can imagine it, it's, 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 it's going to make you squirm a little bit. It doesn't leave um, the imagination. Yeah, right. Uh, it has Debbie Rashawn in it. Uh, she's the wife. Um, Tom Savini plays a therapist. He's in this as well. 
And it really is about the power of dreams. And it, it does have its share of, you know, gory scenes, thanks to Tom Savini. Um, the one that I like the most, though, is something, it's one called Vision Stains. And it's about this young girl who discovers that she can preserve other people's memories by, uh, and she focuses really on drug addicts and vagrants. Um, and she removes some fluid from their eye with a hypodermic and injects it into her own eye and can see their lives, can see their memories. And she's doing it to almost be sort of, a, of an archivist of, the, of, of these outcasts and recording their lives and recording their memories. She's doing it in this notebook. Uh, but things get a little out of control when she runs into a, um, a pregnant woman um, and she's a pregnant prostitute, and she tries something different, and uh, it really does sort of mess with her mind. Uh, it's really very well done, and I just thought it was so intriguing. And yes, it's a little uncomfortable to watch. I mean, anytime, anything with the eye. That's why Fulci pretty much he knew that any movie he made, he did something. You know, there was some eye trauma in it. And the that's eye, what we get here. The eye is the groin of the head, right, Dave? Yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, it, it is. It's a very well done short, and I thought it was really intriguing. Um, you know, just very clever. Um, but that's my favorite. And again, that one's called Vision Stains. Uh, overall, overall, I would give um, give this probably. I'd give it a seven. I'd give it a seven, and say it's worth a rental. It's it's definitely worth checking out. I'm not sure where it's available. Uh, I never and I never think ahead to look at it like you guys do to think ahead <laughs> as to where this thing's going to be available. Well, it is streaming um, on Am you can stream it on Amazon for four bucks right now. Okay, all right, um, but it is worth uh, it is worth checking out. Um, so yeah, that's that's the theater bazaar. If anything, yeah, and you get to see Udo Kier as a as a uh, clockwork marionette, and that's always that cool. Worth it. <laughs> Yep, right there. Nice. Hey, everyone. This is Ron Martin, and with me is Little Miss Hornard from the Resurrection of Zombie 7 podcast. And we are here today to congratulate the horror movie podcast for reaching 100 episodes. That is a great accomplishment. What do you think of that, Jessica? Oh, I think that's awesome. <laughs> uh, when I started horror podcasting, I was told by uh, someone who had been in the industry for a while that... It was like 80% of all podcasts never get past 20 episodes oh. because people want to start podcasts. They don't understand the cost that goes into it. They don't understand the time that goes into it. Uh, and they don't. And then, you know, sometimes you start recording something for an hour and you realize, well, I'm not that entertaining for an hour. It's harder than <laughs> it, it's harder than it looks, people. And to reach 100 episodes is an amazing accomplishment. I love it. I listen to it all the time. Uh, I like the intellectual discussion of horror movies that uh, Jay and uh, Dr. Shock and Josh take up. I like that they review some of the newer movies, so then I know whether or not to spend my money uh, renting those movies. Uh, so for Dr. Shock, Wolfman Josh, and Jay of the Dead, if those are your real names, uh, big congratulations. It's a big accomplishment. You should be proud of yourselves for providing us with hours upon hours upon hours of entertainment <laughs> and and sometimes even intellectual discussion of horror films. Um, I believe Jessica is going to name her cats, rename her cats after the three of you. 
I do have three cats. <laughs> uh, so once again, congratulations from us over here at the Resurrection of Zombie 7 podcast. And we wish you the best of luck. And we're looking forward to the next 100 episodes of the Horror Movie Podcast where they are dead serious about their horror. The only thing Jessica's dead serious about is Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> All right, now, next we come to VHS from 2012, and we're going to be discussing that later on the show with Adam. And uh, VHS 2, which we've already kind of mentioned a little bit, 2014 VHS viral we've talked about. But what about from 2013, All Hallows Eve? That's the one with Art the Clown. Did you end up seeing that, Josh? Yeah, and I wanted to probably save my discussion of it um, for our Creepy Clowns episode, because I think we have to mention Good point. art in that, but um, it's definitely one to check out. This is, movie is way better, way better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, it really took me off guard, actually. Yeah. And it is scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, even the cover art, if, for listeners out there, if you look at the cover art for All Hallows Eve from 2013, written and directed by Damien Leone. Uh, that one is, I mean, it's serious business. So make sure you get to that because in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about creepy clowns and we can talk about more about art. But yes. but this has, you know, it's one of those where a babysitter finds a VHS tape and it has these various sinister murders performed on it by this crazy clown. Now, did you see All Hallows Eve Part 2? No, I did not. I haven't either. So I'm going to need to try to track that down before our episode to see if it's um, similar. Cause this is as a, a pumpkin faced killer is the character in all hollows Eve too. So maybe it's <sighs> actually not related to art. Yeah. There's a lot of titles. I, I think there was one all hollows Eve with Danielle Harris in it. Oh yeah. And that that thing, the same, it's the same title, right? That thing sucked. Yeah. It, no disrespect out there. I guess I shouldn't say it sucked, but I, I was very displeased. How about we'll say <laughs> it now that I'm like friends with filmmakers like you, Josh, I'm like, <laughs> you can't just be so dismissive. Jay of the dead. Okay. It's called hollows Eve. It's from 2014. And I was very disappointed in that. I'll say it. So like my that. understanding is these all started out with a short film terrifier in 2011 uh, that featured art. And then they made All Hallows Eve 2013. And now there's a feature film called Terrifier starring art. Um, so I'm not sure where that fits into the art mythology. And I'm not sure if All Hallows Eve is actually connected to art. So it'll be interesting to try to search those out. But Terrifier is um, a 2016 film and it apparently came out in July. Mm -hmm. But it's still saying it's in post-production, so I'm not sure. It has the release date as July 2016, but yet it's still in post-production, so I don't know what that means. Interesting. Okay. Well, and at this point, it brings us to the ABCs of Death from 2012, which we've talked about a little bit. I mean, this is a two-hour and ten-minute film. It's got 26 short films, you know, each letter of the alphabet depicting some form of death all the uh, segments are made independently. They're quite visceral in most cases. And the average length of each film is about four and a half minutes, you know. And, and I don't know about you, Josh, but I mean, I, the thing is, I appreciate this. I mean, some of it is almost unwatchable for me. Some of it is like I intensely hate, but some of it is genuinely like disturbing and upsetting. So, I mean, I think... Just like most of these anthologies, it's a mixed bag. Um, half of it's good, half of it's bad, and 
you know, a little bit is like blase. I don't know. What do what do you have to say? Anything else on this one you want to comment? I like it, but not that much. (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, I think, I think there are many individual films that I really appreciate, but this is definitely one where um, it's worth watching once for me. And I believe these are both also streaming on Netflix in the U S they're both worth watching once for me, but um, it is a bit of a slog at times. And I think the bad actually outweighs the good. But there are enough good short films that I think it's worth at least checking out. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I definitely think so. Now, the, one of the most interesting things about this for me is, um, and I don't know why I love stuff like this, but I do. There, <laughs> this has some baggage with it because in January of 2015, there was a teacher who ended up getting felony co- convictions for showing this film um, to some classes. So, so, so she, she was showing a group of high school kids that was, there were Spanish students, no less. And this is in Columbus, Ohio. She was a substitute okay. teacher. Her name was Sheila Kearns. I can say her name because she was found guilty on four counts of disseminating matter harmful to juveniles. Oh. And the way this is written is kind of funny. I mean, I'm not really making fun of her plight or any, you know, anything upsetting that happened for those kids, okay, if it did upset them. But I just want to say that at the end, you know, she claimed her argument in this trial was that she hadn't seen the movie before and that she didn't know what the content was in it, right? So there's a detective named Perryman. He testified that she seemed unconcerned when the movie's content was described to her. He was talking with her and said, you know, the, the movie chapter L is for libido is about a sex contest whose winner is killed by a chainsaw. And, um, <laughs> and she said back to the detective, those kids see worse than that at home. <laughs> Quote. <laughs> and it's like, if they're seeing worse than that at home, that's pretty bad. But um, anyway, here's the last paragraph of this article. I just got to tell you this because, man, this made me laugh. It says, this is from the New York Post. It said, jurors watched the movie which rates 4.7 out of 10 stars on the IMDb website on Tuesday. And after court on Thursday, the jury foreman told the newspaper it wasn't proved that Kearns was aware of the movie's content the first time she showed it, but she would have known by the second, third, fourth, and fifth showings. So she showed <laughs> she showed all of her Spanish classes that day, this movie. What is she thinking? Yeah, and the assistant principal, what happened was the assistant principal walked by, saw it playing, and confiscated it. Uh, That was pretty freaking hilarious. So, anyway. Well, it premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival. I would think that would be enough to get you out of too much trouble. You just say, look, this is a a high-minded film. (laughs) Right. Playing at one of the top festivals in the world. And just because it has something called F is for fart and L is for libido and doesn't necessarily mean that it's... O is for orgasm. <laughs> like, T is for toilet. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Now, I, I did not see ABCs of Death 2. Okay, I'm just oh. going to confess that. Um, okay. Did you see it? Yeah, I would say it's as good as the first one. So, I think oh. that's what it's worth. All right. And, and once again, you got another 26-chapter anthology that shows a bunch of death in it. And then there is ABCs of Death 
2.5. That irritates me so much when they do like two and a half ABCs of death, two and a half. Like, and it says, this is not ABCs of death three, ABCs of death, two and a half showcases and additional top 26 finalists providing fans 85 minutes of unadulterated madness. So did you see that? No, I didn't. Okay. Me neither. So these are all the M segments, like the one that I submitted for moose hunt. Yes. Interesting. Exactly. Is what that is. So, so if I had just, if I had just gone through with that, I might've been a director of ABCs of death 2.5. You, you would have, you would have in fact, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So then around this time we got Southbound. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later on with Dino. And now I think it's time for Josh's feature review of Tales of Halloween. Every year on Halloween, this town goes batshit crazy. Trick or treat. Okay, Tales of Halloween is a 2015 film. Um, it focuses around a town at Halloween. It's very similar in setup to Trick or Treat. I mean, it couldn't be much closer, in fact. Although here you have 10 stories, and the really only shared theme is that it's about Halloween night in the suburbs. Um, it has a bit of a setup that's similar to a Christmas horror story. At least I thought it did at first. It has Adrian Barbeau in it, who people will know as the radio DJ in the fog. Well, she plays the radio DJ in this film as well. And the final story in this features some well-known horror personas. Um, it's got Pat Healy and Christina Klebe uh, playing police officers. And so, I I thought that we were going to get more wraparound with um, the Adrian Barbeau and the Christina Klebe storylines, and I think that would have really helped this, actually. I think just uh, incorporating it, even as much as Shatner is in Tales of um, in Christmas Horror Story, I think would have really helped this a lot because we, we sense what that might have been like in the final section. But I think this one does suffer from just feeling kind of thrown together. I do think people who enjoy just having that Halloween vibe could really enjoy this one, though. It's got some cool cameos in it. Stuart Gordon has a cameo in it. Um, you know, the director of all of the H.P. Uh, Lovecraft films that we reviewed on our H.P. Lovecraft episode, including probably most famously Reanimator. Um, John Landis, who we talked about on... The last episode <laughs> <laughs> right. makes a cameo here. Joe Dante makes a cameo. So um, there are some really fun kind of horror icon cameos throughout, but mostly it's unknown actors or, or lesser known actors. And uh, they do a really good job. And there are some, some stories are better than others. You know, a lot of them, I feel like most of these don't have on-screen violence. In fact, at one point, I was pretty far into it. I should have said to check the rating because I thought there's a good chance this could be PG-13. There's like nothing in this. But um, no, it was rated R. Oh, who else is in it? The lady from um, the Insidious movies that Bob Shea's sister. Sorry, I'm blanking on her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, I yeah. love her. Yeah, Lynn Shea is in this. Uh, Rebecca McKendry, who... 
worked for years for Fangoria and then now works for Blumhouse. She has a little cameo in it. So it's just fun. Um, there's one story called Ding Dong, which focuses around kind of a Hansel and Gretel witch story a little bit, but it's, you know, these people answering the door on Halloween. Um, the lady in that Pollyanna Mc, uh, McIntosh, I suppose is her name, McIntosh. Okay. Pollyanna McIntosh in that film, people would recognize her from The Woman, uh, from Exam, from Filth, from Let Us Pray. She's in each of those films. She is the woman in The Woman. Um, man, she is incredible in this role. It's weird, and it's a little bit too wacky, but her witch in this, I wish this was in their watching, because it, it is scary. Like, it's one of the, for how kind of... Um, you know, there's not much makeup to it. It's just her performance, but some interesting things are done with the camera work and with, uh, you know, just creative in-camera effects. Her, it's a really scary monster. I, I for um, you know, what we would see here, Kier Gilcrest, who is one of the boys from It Follows. He is in a little segment called The Week in the Wicked, and um, that one isn't super effective, but he. I liked seeing him in it and Noah Sagan who works with Ryan Johnson a lot. He's in brick is in, uh, is in that segment as well. That's kind of a fun one. Uh, Barbara Crampton is in one called the grim green grinning ghost. That's the same one that Lynn Shea is in. That one is pretty weak. Uh, I don't know. They're, they're hit or miss. There is a little bit of crossover with some of these characters where you're like, Oh, there's a trick or treater in this movie who is later, you know, playing a key role in the other film. Um, I just think it could have benefited from just really laying into that a little bit more and really combining the stories a little bit more because it wouldn't have taken much to do it. In fact, there was one point where some of the main characters from one of the first segments show up as trick-or-treaters in a later segment, Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, yeah, it's about to go off, (laughs) and it just doesn't. But my favorite segment of this which I think is just a standalone, could be just a standalone movie. Did you ever see that movie? I think it's Ben Stiller and Jack Black. It's called Envy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I Not did. a great film. No. But this is, this is uh, kind of uh, reminded me of that a little bit, but it's like with Halloween decorations, these two neighbors are kind of at war. Or if you remember the live action movie, The Grinch, where <laughs> the characters are at war over their Christmas decorations. Oh, this yeah. is just, it's, it's just a funny idea. These these two characters are across the street from one another, and um, the actors are uh, stand-up comedian Dana Gould. Okay. He is kind of like a straight-laced guy who does like a really family-friendly but all-out Halloween decorations on his house. And then across the street, James Duvall, who people might recognize from Donnie Darko or SLC Punk, mm-hmm. um, he is across the street – and he's kind of this heavy metal rocker who is putting up like really like disgusting, gory Halloween stuff and just like having like a drunken party in his front yard with his friends while they're blasting heavy metal music. And these two characters uh, come into conflict with one another. And I think it, it's just so much fun. Like I, I think like I'd like to have seen something like this in, in the trick or treat film. Like I feel like this would have been right at home in that movie. And, um, I would say Tales of Halloween is not on the same level as Trick or Treat, but I think fans of Trick or Treat, if you want something else kind of like that and just another new one to watch at Halloween time, I think Tales of Halloween is a great choice. I would probably give this one a 
6.5. Yeah. Okay. And I'd say stream it. Um, I don't think it's free anywhere right now, but I think it's like a three ninety nine rental on like iTunes and a few other places online. Um, Amazon, it was pretty expensive. I think it was like six ninety nine. So I ended up watching this on iTunes. But um, let me see what it, where it's streaming at this moment because this is a while ago. Yeah, this is a two ninety nine digital rental on Vudu, iTunes, and um, a six ninety nine rental on YouTube, Amazon Video, and Google Play. So Excellent. I don't know. That's a, it's a pretty expensive rental. Uh, if you, I feel like if you really like um, trick or treat, and you're willing to kind of take a chance on something that you know going in isn't quite as high quality, but is kind of in the same vein of fun and and comedy and horror, I feel like you could probably do worse than picking this up on DVD because you can probably get it pretty cheap right now in the holidays, like at a Walmart. Even though I don't necessarily suggest people shop at a Walmart type place, I think you could probably find this very cheap in like a Halloween bin right now. Well, and I and, interesting. You, I, and I think you could buy it, like honestly, because that because that rental price is so high at six ninety nine. Like, I'm yeah, buy it. Might as well buy it for that price. You might as well. And I'll tell you what I remember about this. I haven't seen this yet, but in the twenty fifteen, our top ten horror movies of twenty fifteen, our collective. HMP listenership rated this the number 10 pick for 2015. That was on their list. And Bill Shetty was a guest on that show. And his top 10 initially, he rated it his number three. But then a few months into the year of 2016, Bill Shetty had um, seen a lot more horror movies. And he went through and kind of revised his list. And interestingly, it dropped from number three all the way off the list down into his basically honorable mentions, the ones that just wow. m- just missed the cut. Wow. Yeah, so he dropped them it's down. It's a fun one. I mean, it's a, it's a really fun movie. It's definitely, I could see um, being an honorable mention in that mm-hmm. year for me. Because that was, that was a year that we didn't have a lot of straightforward horror films, I feel like, either. But. Well, that was the year that... Uh, you know, No Escape was the best horror film 2015. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Josh, for reviewing that one. And I know the listeners are really fond of it. So I need to catch up with that. Josh mentioned a Christmas horror story from 2015. If you want to hear our in-depth review of that, we did it on episode 78 of Horror Movie Podcast. Hi. This is Peter from the Retro Movie Geek Podcast, calling in from the south of Sweden to congratulate you on 100 episodes of glorious horror movie podcasting. Haven't missed one yet. Not even the eight-hour episode. Remember that one? I'd also like to say hi to all your awesome listeners, and I wish I could have been at the meetup, but unfortunately, it's a bit of a swim from uh, from uh, Sweden. Anyway, Jay... Josh, Dave, keep it up. I'd like to listen to at least 100 episodes more. So uh, keep on coming, and uh, again, congratulations. See you guys. Talk later. Hi, this is Matroid. And Station. From the Sci-Fi Podcast. And we would like to wish uh, Jason, Dave, and Joshua... Congratulations on 100 episodes. 100? 100. That's pretty awesome. That is fantastic, you guys. 
Uh, I don't think there are any better podcasts out there. In fact, I think Horror Movie Podcast is my favorite. Let's focus on what's important here. Your podcast is too scary. It's not too scary. It's too scary for the uh, demure and the sensitive, perhaps. <laughs> I am neither. That's true. You are, uh, for a chick, you're not very chick-like sometimes. <laughs> I love it. You know, if it wasn't for the horror movie podcast, we would never would have watched Duke. True. I love that movie. And that was good. It was probably all I could do in about a year, but it was good. I've lost faith in you. You used to be so into horror movies. I know. Then the mom switch flipped, and now I'm a big pansy. Yeah, that's true. Well, the horror movie podcast is is one of the greats out there. 100 episodes is a huge milestone. That is huge, and it is super awesome, and we are very happy for you guys. I knew they could do it. I knew you guys could do it, and I just want to say that... 100? I wanted to say <laughs> something. I do want to say that I love you guys. You guys are awesome. Congratulations on 100 episodes. And uh, remember who your best guest is, Bill. Me. <laughs> I was waiting for someone to say me. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Congrats. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. And then holidays from 2016 is one that Shani Dreadful will be discussing with us shortly. And at this point in Horror Movie Podcast episode 100, we want to welcome a very good friend. And we can say with confidence that he is a true friend. We welcome Dino from Cleveland, Ohio. Hey, everyone. (laughs) Hey, Dino. What's up? Hey. Oh, man. I'm so happy you're here tonight, Dino. Thanks for having me on. So cool to get a chance to talk to you after years of online communication. I know, I know. It's I been, feel man, like, you've been you've been there from the from close to the start, I think, haven't you? No, from the from the very start, actually. I started. Yeah. Um, it was February of 2014. I was living in uh, Princeton, New Jersey at the time. I was working in New York, and I was looking for waiting for for my train. I was just looking for horror podcasts. I never listened to podcasts before that either. So uh, for some reason, I decided to uh, to open up the podcast app on my phone, and I started searching for horror movie podcasts and. <laughs> You can guess what popped up. <laughs> You're damn so, right. No, I'm just kidding. And that was actually, <laughs> that was before HMP proper actually launched. So I think at the time, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you, you started uh, January 20 something of that year. Yeah, I mean, it may have been. I was like two months late with the second episode. That sounds about right, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right. So. But uh, yeah, so I started, it was um, the second episode of the weekly harm movie podcast was the first one that i i jumped on and and uh yeah and just i've been with you ever since so wow well, we appreciate That's it great yeah and you um Absolutely. you're one of the people who keep the comment boards going and you uh raise the level of intelligence in the discussion so thanks for all your help there dino <laughs> well I, I don't know about that but i do what i can I uh, definitely and we loved having Dino at the meetup, too. We got to meet him in person in Indiana, and it was great to hang out with him. And he was there. There was a moment when Carl had a meltdown about Steve Jobs. and uh, <laughs> As he does. <laughs> and, he, you know, he was a little inebriated, and Dino got to witness that. That was a pretty a pretty special moment. But anyways. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was a good time. <laughs> so you're here to talk to us tonight about... Um, Many things, but one of the most important things, we're going to talk about some modern horror anthologies. And I know that you had one up your sleeve tonight, Dino. What do you want to tell us about? I did. I um, 
I had the opportunity to watch Southbound's. I actually watched it uh, on October 2nd of this year. It's uh, one of my uh, 31 Days of Horror movies that I was doing. And uh, and I really liked it. I You know, I got to be honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of horror anthologies. I don't know exactly what it is. I mean, part of what I don't like about it is something that I also do like about them. You know, the fact that they're they're short films. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, there, there are certain drawbacks that come with short films, right? Um, you know, there, there isn't really that much time to develop characters and, and story and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, especially in, in this day and age where our attention spans are a little shorter, it's nice to have, you know, just bite-sized movies essentially to take in, um, so it's weird how how one of the things that is a drawback for for them for me is also a benefit. But Southbound is a movie that uh, it is a horror anthology. There are five different segments, but I guess we could sort of say it's it's basically four because it sort of comes full loop. But um, it's a movie that really blends together seamlessly, even though there are individual segments. So that's something about it that I really liked. Nice, but um. Yeah, I guess with with horror anthologies, I sort of see them being um, one of three different movies. You know, you could have the the horror anthologies that are really just individual short films that are just smashed together with no real connective tissue. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking I'm thinking uh, the ABCs of Death would be an example. Um, mm-hmm. Holidays, you know, a, a film that I know uh, I think Juan is going to talk about. Tonight, also uh, three extremes. Oh yeah, you know, the, these are these are anthologies that are, are literally just short films smashed together. Um, then you have anthologies that have the wraparound story, like uh, I'm thinking VH, VHS would be a good example of that. Um, mm-hmm. Even uh, what's the the one with Art the Clown? Oh, the All Hallows yeah. Eve. Oh, yep. Hallow's Eve, yeah, exactly. You know, where they have they have a wraparound story that sort of connects them, but still, the the individual segments are still very disparate. And uh, and then you have movies like Southbound, um, and I would say Trick or Treat is maybe another one where where the different segments really are interwoven together seamlessly, and so the transition from one short to the next uh, sort of happens without you even noticing, really. Right. And uh, and that's something I really really like. Incidentally, Southbound and Trick or Treat are probably uh, two of my more liked horror anthologies, um, mostly for that reason. I noticed that with Southbound quite a bit. Like I would uh, be unsure whether or not we had gone into the next segment or not a couple of times during the film, and that right. was kind of fun to to kind of wait and see what was going to happen if we were in a new story or not. And, so are you guys saying, because I haven't seen it yet, and maybe you can't reveal this, but uh, does it not have your typical punchline, like where there's a big scare or shock or surprise in order to kind of punctuate the, the each story then? Uh, I, yes and no. Okay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> All right. It, I mean, has, they, it has those big moments, but it still, it feels like one film. There's never, as Dino was saying, it never cuts to black and then has another introductory moment. You know, it's constantly flowing. Um, you know, the camera will pan across the street and the next scene will start kind of thing. So. Okay. Yeah. So like Dino was saying, it's a little bit trick or treat flavored the way that, you know, Sam kind of ties the stories together. 
it happens in the same. I, yeah, I guess except for there's answer. not there's not really a Sam to this film. Okay. It, uh, the it's just it feels like kind of a like it's constantly evolving from story to story. That's Neat. what it feels. Yeah, and if you look at the poster, which I think is brilliant, um, yes, it's even better after you see the movie because that's what exactly what the movie feels like. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and even the the title of the movie speaks to basically the theme of the movie, which is great. I like when titles actually make sense and this is one where it definitely does. So excellent. So uh, are you able to reveal anything about the, the nature of the segments or would it be too much of a spoiler? I know it's difficult to discuss these. Um, I I mean, I don't know if I, if I would want to get into details about the segments themselves. I think one of the, one of the things about this film is that the not only are the segments woven together seamlessly, um, but they're also connected in theme. So even though the segments themselves uh, have to do with different things, the overarching theme is the same throughout. And it's, a, it's this theme of guilt. Um, mm-hmm. So in every single segment, the, the the protagonists are carrying some sort of guilt. It's either some sort of guilt that they were already carrying with them or something that happened in the segment itself that is creating this guilt. Um, Dino is very careful about spoilers, probably more than anyone I've ever met. So if you don't mind, you know, I'll just go a little bit further and uh, read ahead, the yeah. IMD description because I think that will maybe give people just a little bit better idea of what it is. It says five interlocking tales of terror, follow the fates of a group of weary travelers who confront their worst nightmares and darkest secrets over one long night on a desolate stretch of desert highway. (laughs) And so you have all of these things happening kind of out in the desert in this seemingly same area. And to me, guilt is a great uh, thing to pick out of that. I hadn't exactly picked that out of it. What I probably would have said instead, which is, a little more on the nose is that it's kind of personal hell is what I feel like a lot of these people find themselves in. And so, and some more clearly than others, some it's a little bit more um, thematic and some it's very overt. Right. And, and that setting, the desert setting really adds to that feeling of a personal hell that you're just stuck in and you can't get out. And the theme of guilt also sort of ties in that when you're carrying guilt there's that feeling of dread and, and being alone. Um, and I think that desert setting really nails that home. Nice. Okay. I'm super intrigued. I was actually really interested in this. Um, (laughs) I considered watching it for tonight, but I heard Dino was covering it and I'm like, well, he'll do a better job anyway. So uh, <laughs> what, what do you rate this, Dino? Where do you come in? Uh, all right. Well, like I said in the beginning, uh, horror anthologies really aren't my thing. Um, but that said, this was definitely one of my more favored horror anthologies. Um, I, I think I probably come in around a seven. Okay. And I think it's definitely worth the rental at least. Um that said, I, you know, I'm really, I've been thinking about it a lot since I saw it. And that was, what, 10, 10 11 days ago now. So I have been thinking about it since then. And I do think I'm going to revisit it at some point, probably pretty soon. So, Excellent. Well, good. Well, thanks for reporting on it for us. Really appreciate yeah, it. Uh, thanks. I, I'd go ahead and rate it as well, Jay, if mm-hmm. uh, you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, please tell. 
I, I really enjoyed this one as well. And um, I would give it an eight probably as if I'm ranking, especially thinking about other horror anthologies, it's really good mm-hmm. compared to uh, the majority of what's out there. And I believe it is streaming on Amazon and Netflix right now. So it's an easy streaming recommendation. Nice. So definitely, definitely check it out. Okay. Nice. All right. Definitely. You, so, sorry, Jay. You know, something that uh, you said there actually makes a lot of sense for me. I, I watched um, recently. I watched the ABCs of Death and the ABCs of Death Two, and after watching those, it makes me feel like a seven for Southbound is pretty low. Um, mm. So because those were <laughs> pretty awful in my opinion, but um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely one I think's worth checking out at least once. Okay, well that sounds great. But Dino, thanks awesome. for joining us tonight, and um, I just wondered. So do you have um, where can the listeners follow you online? I know that you have a pretty good internet presence. Uh, well, I'm mostly on Twitter, I guess. It's just my my full name, Dino Ticinelli. Um If you can spell that, then <laughs> then I'll see you online. But um, other other than that, Jay, I just if if you don't mind, I just wanted to take mm-hmm. a minute just to um, say that you know, like I said in the beginning here that. You, um, your show really got me started on podcasts, but even more than that, it got me, it it sort of rekindled my love of horror. Um, you know, I I was a big horror fan growing up, um, but it was never, uh, one of the more important parts of my life, I would say. Um, and ever since finding your show, it, it really, like I said, it rekindled my love for horror and it's really brought it back into my life a lot and i just wanted to say thank you and i you know i appreciate that wow well thank you thank you on behalf of all of us that's a really flattering and i'm glad i hope i don't go to hell for that but um, <laughs> <laughs> i'm serious no it's <laughs> i'm just te- i'm just teasing no, thank you very much that's awesome that's great well dino you're the best we really appreciate you and your support means a lot to us genuinely Thank you. Nice talking to you, man. I hope to talk to you more soon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Will you come back and join us when we can do like a whole show and like an extended review with you? you Absolutely. Yeah. And talking about something other than horror anthologies would be good too. Okay. (laughs) Okay, buddy. All right. Well, you have a good night, Dino. Thanks again. All right. Take care. Bye guys. Thanks. Take care. See you. Now we're going to welcome our good friend from Texas. We are joined by Juan. Welcome, sir. Hi, guys. I'm the one. <laughs> the Welcome. So, Juan, when did you find this podcast or start listening to horror podcasts associated with us? So, what's the story there? Uh, you guys are actually the first podcast that I ever listened to. Um, what? Back. Yeah, yeah. Can you believe that? But <laughs> uh, two or three years ago, when, when, when episode, two, uh, I think, I believe it's, it was episode one. I just dropped in during Halloween. Um, episode one of Horror Movie Podcast, by the way. Okay. Uh, I found your podcast just by chance, uh, just by typing um, Horror Movie Podcast on Google, and it you were the first podcast. That, uh, popped up. Uh, I'm so <laughs> thankful for my lack of creativity. I'm so grateful. <laughs> no, it really does work. I mean, you guys were like right at the top. I clicked on it. I read the description. I started listening, and I was hooked. And I, you know, I've been listening to you guys ever since. 
Wow. Well, we appreciate it, Juan. We're glad we didn't put you off of podcasting. So <laughs> that's good. Oh, no. Not at all. You guys <laughs> got me into this. I'm like way into podcasting now. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, so Juan, uh, tonight we're talking about modern horror anthologies. And I understand you're going to uh, bring a very interesting one to us. Um, it's actually one of my I guess more favorite ones I haven't seen in a long time, but what are you going to talk about here? Oh, yeah, it's called uh, Three Extremes, and it's a uh, an Asian horror anthology. Um, and it's very interesting because it doesn't have a wraparound story that you usually find in the uh, American anthologies. So each of these stories stands on its own. Uh, and... Um, one of them was actually turned into a uh, feature film uh, called Dumplings. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it was through this film that I found this um, anthology in the first place. I wasn't familiar with it. I actually saw the, the feature film before I saw the uh, the short film. Nice. Okay. Okay, interesting. Yeah, the, the Dumplings yeah. one is very memorable. That one really stayed with me uh, to this day. <laughs> It really is. There's a there's a very uh, dark twist to it. That really, uh, is in it. Yes, she is, and she's great. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's really it's probably uh, my favorite of the of the three uh, films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not um, it's not your typical horror. This is this is very slow. This is very uh, atmospheric in a way, and it's more about the the horror of the story itself rather than the gore, even though there's plenty of it. This first one, Dumplings, actually by Fru Chan, I think, uh, which I'm not familiar with his work, but I know he's a, he's a Chinese director. Dumplings is about uh, an actress, uh, an, a middle-aged actress that is trying to uh, retain her youth. And so she, um, she goes to this lady that apparently is much older than, than she appears. And she, this lady is played by uh, by Ling, and so she cooks these uh, special dumplings that uh, supposedly are kind of like the, the fountain of youth. So when you eat them, you you get younger. You're, you're able to retain your youth. So she starts eating these dumplings, and uh, eventually the movie goes into what's into these dumplings, and that's when things turn really, really dark, really fast. <laughs> that's right. And listeners out there. Be careful because uh, you don't want to read about this too much on Wikipedia because it does spoil it for you, obviously. But right, Juan? Because you don't want this yeah, spoiled, huh? No, you don't. That's The, the twist is, is, is what makes this film work. Uh, I don't think it, it has the same impact on a rewatch. I think it's one of those films where going in fresh really benefits it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's my favorite of the of the three films. It's really well shot. It's really uh, it's really well acted. The twist really really works. And uh, on its own, I would give it a nine out of ten. The second film is called Cut. And that one's also really interesting. That one's the directed by Park Chan uh, Wook and the director of Old Boy. And and this one also relies on a on a twist that is really dark, as is usual with his with his films. Um, so this one's about a, a, a film director that gets uh, held captive along with his wife and what seems to be a random stranger. Uh, and that's where the twist lies. Uh, later in the story, you find out who this person is. And um, I can't really say um, what happens because it, it ruins the, the, the movie. But it's, it's, it's dark. It's a good <laughs> it's one, dark too. And it, 
and it makes the whole film work as well. It doesn't really make sense, but within the context of the movie, it, it really works. Yeah, I mean, this is a sick and twisted little um, anthology film, isn't it, One, It's pretty it's very twisted. very sick. Yeah, very yeah. Like, like somebody really just, dis- these people were very disturbed when they, when they wrote this stuff. Huh. Yeah, this is really, this is really dark stuff. Uh, like I said, it doesn't rely too heavily on gore uh, or scares, but it's just, it's just about the nature of the story and how dark and twisted it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, the director of that segment, right? Is nice. the, he the audition Ichi the Killer? director or is that that's the next one that's uh okay. the the last one is called box mm-hmm. and that's my least favorite actually me too um, me too akashi akashi Mike, i think that i don't know if that's how you pronounce his name i'm probably butchering it but he uh he's kind of all over the place for me he's really hit and miss he's very prolific he's made a lot of movies i've only probably seen like three or four of his and they're all very strange, and so is this one. Um, it's just it's really abstract, and and uh, um, I don't know. I just I couldn't get into it. Um, there's also a twist to this one. Um, surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, it just doesn't. It didn't hit hit me as nearly as hard as the other two. One, would you go so far as to say? I mean, I think all three. All three short films are very artistic, but I think this one comes the closest to like a horror art film. I feel like it's kind of arty. Yes. Yeah. This one, this one is by far the slowest of the, of the three. And it's, it's very deliberate in the way it's shot. And, uh, yeah, I would, I would say it's, it's, it's definitely the artier of the, of the three. Okay. All right. Well, uh, so what do you rate Three extremes overall. Three extremes. Um, I would give it a seven overall, just on the based on the strength of the first two. Uh, it does lose a little steam with the with the last uh, film, which I just couldn't get into. It's just a little too out there for me. Uh, but I would say, if it's streaming for free, it's definitely worth a watch. There's a uh, there are things much much worse that you can do uh, with your time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't being totally exact in what I was trying to communicate. The uh, this one is streaming for two ninety nine on Amazon. I was saying the feature length version of Dumplings is streaming for free on Amazon. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I think it. I think it's uh, worth a watch. Um, I don't feel like it needed to be a, a full feature film, to be honest. But mm-hmm. uh, it's it's mm-hmm. still a worth a watch. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Nice. Okay, what would so, you say, Jason? Would you agree with us? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen the, the full-length film, but um, I can't even imagine turning this into a full-length film, Dumplings. But but Three Extremes itself, the, for a horror anthology, this is one of the better that I've seen. And I mean of all, both old school and modern. And for me, Juan, you big meanie, I, I think it's like, a, it's like an 8.5 for me. But... <laughs> <laughs> but but so I'd say that's, I think that's very that, high. Yeah, that this is. I mean, if you like horror anthologies, I'd say this is a buy. If not, then it's a must see at the very least. So I'm gonna yeah, say buy. Yeah, I mean, I, I would get this. I, w- I would buy this just for the for the first two uh, films for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing where when you have your friends over for Halloween, you say you want to see something really scary or really sick and twisted, and then you can show it to <laughs> them, and it's a great piece for that. So. 
All right, one. <laughs> so one says seven out of ten. Says you could stream it and wanted buy it on one. I would buy it. Yeah, why not? It's um, it's very, it's interesting, and and it's not, it's it's very different from from all of the other anthologies that I, that I've seen. So mm-hmm. uh, that that in and of itself uh, uh, is really appealing to me. All right, buddy. Well, we we're so grateful you joined us tonight, Juan. It was really nice of you to take the time to celebrate with us on episode 100. And I just wondered, where can the listeners uh, catch up with you online? I know you have a considerable online presence as well. <laughs> I, I really don't. I mean, you can follow me on Facebook uh, on and um, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, but I don't really have a website of mine that I can claim. Uh, so yeah, no, I just uh, you know if if you already have, if you already have me on Instagram and Facebook or uh, Twitter, then that's that's good enough for me. Okay, I'll, I'll at the very least put your Twitter then in the show notes in case they don't have it. Sure. Okay, buddy. that works. All right. Well, we're glad you joined us. Thanks for being here tonight. And we hope you have a good yeah, night. Thanks for having me. And, and you know, feel free to uh, trash all of this content uh, <laughs> if you feel like it's not going to work. Uh, I am not a, I'm not a podcaster. I'm, I'm not someone that uh, expresses themselves easily uh, by spoken word. I'm more of a writer. So uh, You are a writer. Yeah. You slap me around on the comment boards. <laughs> so. so just for that reason, he's leaving it all in. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I knew he was going to get back to me somehow. And, and thank you for coming out to the uh, meetup in Indiana. It was great to see you there and see movies with you. We got to see movies together. That was a really fun one. All right. Yeah, it was my pleasure, man. Thanks thanks for putting that together, and I'm um, looking forward to the next one. Absolutely. All right, you have a good night, sir. All right. Talk soon, buddy. Thanks All so right, much. thank you. Take care. All right, take no care. Problem. All right, now, this is a moment I've been waiting for for a long time on Horror Movie Podcast. We're going to welcome onto the show Shani Dreadful. Thank you guys so much again for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. You're welcome. Awesome to finally have you. Of course. Yeah, and if people haven't checked out Dreadful Reviews, definitely do that you do Absolutely. great work over there that's awesome that you've launched this site and it's going so well already so mm-hmm. congratulations on that thank you guys yeah. thanks yeah we're covering the halloween franchise right now figured we'd get it over with right away <laughs> <laughs> love it that's the way to do it and shani i understand so um uh, fairly recently in your life you have undertaken one of the scariest jobs in existence and that is that of being a mother so congratulations there oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah congratulations thanks yeah i have a little october baby so (laughs) awesome love it love it well that's when all the all the that's when all the best people were born (laughs) that's true (laughs) that means they were made on valentine's day basically (laughs) (laughs) yeah basically (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i mean we have um uh, Dr. Shock and Wolfman Josh. It's right around your birthdays right now, isn't it, guys? Like, we're really close to your birthday as we record this. Yeah. Yeah, mine's tomorrow. Mine was last weekend. Oh. And Matroid and Station both have birthdays in October, too, from the Cypher book. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. October, thir- October 13th. That's that's uh, my lucky number. Happy uh, birthday. I think Sal's birthday is the same day as Matroid's, actually. But Man. Nice. Well, happy birthday to everybody. So, um, Shani, so tonight we're talking about modern horror anthologies. But before we got to get to that, I just was curious. 
Um, when did you get connected with all the horror podcasting? Because I know you've, you're you a horror podcaster as well, and you've kind of been involved in the community really actively for a while now. How did you get into it? How did I? Oh, okay, this is <laughs> this is kind of funny. Um, how I got into it is my friend, Matthew. He uh, listen to podcasts all the time. And then I wound up getting a job that allowed me to listen to podcasts while I worked all the time. So I thought of like the first thing that I enjoy, I typed in horror movie podcast on Google. <laughs> and can you guess what came up? <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is amazing. This is the best night of stories. I know. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So obviously yeah, your guys's podcast was the first podcast I had ever listened to ever. What? It was. All- it was yeah. <laughs> And ever since then, I just had a huge passion to actually do something, like get in, get out, get involved with the horror community a lot more, all because of you guys. Wow. That's awesome. Well, that's nice. It's wonderful to hear that. And I know you were on um, the uh, Dead as Hell horror podcast with One Sick Puppy, right? You did that for a while? Yes. Yeah, I did that for about a year. Mm -hmm. And then we parted ways. We're still friends and everything like that, of course. Mm -hmm, Of course. Um, and now I, I guess I kind of like regularly guess on Res- Resurrection of Zombie Seven podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love them. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I love them. They're so nice. They are. And nice. I've been on Land of the Creeps quite a bit lately. <laughs> yes, you have. I haven't. I haven't hooked up with you there yet. We seem to just miss each other over there. But uh, yeah, you've been all over. You've been on a few shows now. Yeah, I, I, like I did like five or six of them and then I wound up going back to work and stuff like that and then schedules kind of got messed up and then you started coming back just as I started leaving and I was like ah yeah Yeah. hopefully soon well welcome over here on the horror movie podcast this has been a a long time in the making I'm glad you're here we're talking about modern horror anthologies and I understand you have an interesting film to discuss with us tonight yes I do I have a very interesting film I want to discuss the horror anthology Holidays. It came out this year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it overall it covers all of the different holidays, which I found like really interesting because a lot of like there aren't a lot of horror movies in regards to like St. Patrick's Day, Easter, Father's Day. There's like a few of them, but like the main ones are always Halloween <laughs> and Christmas. Does it cover like Arbor Day and things like that or not? <laughs> No, no, it doesn't quite go into quite that detail. It does do Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, Easter, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Halloween, uh, Christmas, and New Year, New Year's Eve. Excellent. Oh, man. There were so many good ones in that. It's crazy. That is a crazy movie. Nice. Yeah, it was <laughs> It's definitely a strange movie. Um, yeah. I felt that, like, like watching horror anthologies like i always go back to thinking of like abc's of death one where they're like super long and there's like a lot of little shorts that are going on in there mm-hmm. yeah. i felt that this one had a very like similar feel to the abc's of death where some were like very strong and definitely like held the film up but some were also very weak mm-hmm. and uh-huh. i think damaged the film quite a bit <laughs> which ones <laughs> i want to hear which ones you, you didn't like the ones i didn't like were easter mother's day um, Father's Day, I liked up until the end where I thought it got a little bit ridiculous and I got kind of frustrated there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it was just like those ones. I didn't mind Valentine's Day, but I felt like St. Patrick's Day, like St. Patrick's Day, it was based off of a folk, old folk tale. But the way they uh, portrayed it and the way they dealt like dealt the cards out in that one was just ridiculous. And the acting was very, very weak. <laughs> those, all of these, they start out 
not all of them. Many of them start out so good and and just go totally crazy at the end, like in the weirdest directions at the end. I felt like that was the one really consistent thing film to film as you'd start out with something that just felt like a pretty typical horror setup. And then it just went, Jay, I apologize for uh, you're having to work extra on this, but just went totally batshit at the end. <laughs> Easter, <laughs> Easter is bonkers. That was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Um, same with St. Patrick's Day. Like it's such a great setup. It's just a typical kind of bad seed omen kind of like vibe. And then all of a sudden it just goes off the wall. <laughs> so yeah, I, I actually liked Mother's Day though. That was probably my favorite one. Yeah, you like uh, I like it's bizarre. They're all bizarre. Yeah, they're definitely all bizarre. I felt like the way they a lot of them ended were just like weak. It felt like they thought of such a great premise and they had all these great ideas and then they just didn't know how to like wrap it up yes. into like a nice little package and like a lot of them kind of fell short that way. Um I don't know. My favorite out of all of them was honestly Kevin Smith. He oh, did really? Hollow Yeah. It was just like it was crazy and I thought his daughter like did a pretty good job acting in it. Which was really enjoyable. Yeah, I like Kevin Smith. That was um, that was that is intense from a male perspective. It's very intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's kind of like watching Teeth or something like that. Exactly. It's <laughs> great. Nice. I haven't seen this, but now I'm very intrigued after I hear you two discuss it. So That's, yeah, me me too. But you it's know, Allison, one of our other listeners, mm-hmm. she was like totally disturbed by. Easter and a few of the other ones because they're really, really strange. But mm-hmm. a lot of people liked the last one. What did you think of the New Year's Eve one? New Year's Eve, that one was. The yeah, no, that one was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like the Tinder date. That one was good. I thought it was like pretty obvious, to be honest, yeah. like from the very start when they go on the Tinder date because like he was all like creepy and like he had all this big plan and stuff like that. I don't want to, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. Am I allowed to say spoilers? Like, is that okay? If, uh, look, should I not spoil it? We're trying. We try not to. I th- I think, but uh, okay. But if you it's feel you. it's up to you. If you feel it's important, yeah. Yeah, give us a big spoiler warning. I haven't. I haven't seen it myself, okay. so I'll take off my headphones for a second, and you could say, "Jay of the Dead sucks." <laughs> okay. Just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> okay. You, uh, well, I, I won't get too spoilery then. Okay. I'll just say that the twist in the New Year's Eve one was, I thought, pretty obvious. Oh, interesting. Cool. No, that's uh, that. That's true. I guess if you were a really looking for it. And I think you can't help but look for the twists in some of these anthology mm-hmm. films because like we've talked about a lot, they're kind of set up solely for that reason. But I did think it was the yeah. more, one of the more satisfying in this particular anthology. I did. I thought it was definitely a good conclusion. I thought it had a good start, a good finish. And like, I thought the last three were probably the strongest out of all of them, but yeah. I don't know. Oh. What did you think? I, I don't know. I, I was really mixed on this movie because on one hand, I enjoyed it watching it because I had no idea what was coming next. It was really like, what is the next thing going to be? But I was let down by a lot of them. As I was said, like, you know, I, I really wanted to like St. Patrick's day, but it was kind of a let down. I really wanted to like Easter, but it just goes so nuts. And so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. It definitely went like a little bit too far. Like the ones that I was most excited for were the ones that, you don't often see horror movies of like they have like that bunny man massacre, whatever that one is. I haven't <laughs> seen it or anything, but all oh, the set, set. I love it. I love that actually. But Oh, do you? Yeah, I have the second you... one, but I've never seen the first one. So I don't want to watch it. 
<laughs> I see. Well, it's the kind of thing where it's just it's kind of more of the same, and it's not. You you could watch them out of order, I think personally. But anyways, okay. Valentine's Day had kind of a loved ones vibe to it, which I thought was fun. Yeah, that one. Like, <laughs> it was like it was pretty weird. Like it reminded me of like Carrie in a sense. Mm-hmm. Just oh. like the way the girl was like kind of getting picked on and stuff like that. And yeah. Totally. And then like I noticed like in that one that the one girl is actually like that one girl who bullies Carrie in Carrie. Um, right. She's wearing this like blue baseball cap with a rainbow on it. But a girl in the Valentine's Day one was also wearing a blue baseball cap with a rainbow on it. So oh. I thought that was pretty cool. It was like a nice little throwback. Yeah. Good catch. Good eye. Yeah, that's yeah. very observant. Nice. So, Shani, here's my burning question about this film, Holidays. Do you, would you say that it really, I, I guess, makes the holiday prevalent in the short film itself? Because, like, to me, that's the most exciting thing about a holiday-based horror film is when you can really tell it's that holiday. Do they capitalize on that usually and incorporate the holiday decorations and so forth? Most of them, I would say no. I would say they have, like, hints, like, kind of in the background that obviously this is a holiday. Like, on Halloween, you see, like, a few Halloween direct decorations, but it's not focused on the fact that it's Halloween at all. Wow. Like, if, it were, if you didn't see the decorations at the very beginning, you would not know that this is supposed to be on Halloween. And like, yeah, sometimes, like yeah, sometimes even just figuring out what holiday it is is kind of part of the twist. Like, it's kind of like, oh, okay, this is Mother's Day. Okay. You know? When you maybe didn't recognize it at first. But. See, I guess I'm okay with that if there's a purpose in that. But man, uh, that seems like a really missed opportunity if they didn't capitalize on it. But they also, all of them, like I've said a hundred times, really go off the rails in terms of like where they go. And so they really are unexpected for the holiday. They're putting in a really bizarre kind of twist on the holidays. Is this good off the rails, Wolfman, or is it like just way too I know much? That some people would really like it, but I think you really have to be up for the horror comedy and you really have to be up for kind of zany um, content because it's not, for, it's certainly not for everybody. It's a really strange movie. Mm. Yeah, it is very, very strange. Okay. I nice. got you. So Shani, what do you rate holidays from 2016 i give it a pretty low rating overall i rate the anthology a four out of ten just because most of them are not so great but there are a few hidden gems within there that i definitely say just kind of like fast forward and watch those ones for sure like valentine's day halloween christmas and new year's Mm -hmm. excellent so so it's just it's kind of a low priority rental and you should pick and choose like the better holiday versions yeah, definitely a low-priority rental. If you're going to watch it, just skip through. <laughs> Don't waste your time watching the other ones because you're just going to get like bogged down watching those, and it's just going to leave a sour taste in your mouth for the ones that are actually good. <laughs> okay. What do you say, Wolfman? Yeah, it's tricky because it's kind of like when I reviewed their watching, uh, I think it was on the last episode or two episodes ago. I really enjoyed it, but it's so off the wall at the end, and that's how I felt about this. Like it, It's a fun watch for a lot of it, but then... You, it's not very satisfying and it's kind of annoying at times. So I don't know. You just kind of have to know yourself. If you're up for just wackiness over horror sometimes, then you may be up for this. I think for me, it's really low stakes because it's streaming on Netflix, at least in the US. And so I think you could do worse than a rental on this since, you know, for a lot of people, it's free. 
Um, but yeah, film wise, I'd probably give it a six. Okay, six. And you say streaming on <laughs> Netflix then? Yeah. Okay, I got gotcha. you. All right. Well, thanks for filling us in on holidays, you guys. That's especially with the holiday season approaching. This will be one that's an option for people. So, Shani, I'm really glad that you've taken the time to uh, join us here tonight. I know you've got a lot going on and stuff, but we're, we're grateful to have you for sure. And, yeah. Shani, tell, tell the listeners about uh, Dreadful Reviews and exactly where they can find it. Um, okay, well, Dreadful Reviews is dreadfulreviews.com. Um, we're doing a few website changes right now where we're changing like banners and stuff like that, and I'm trying to make it look a little bit more professional. You can also find Dreadful Reviews on Twitter at Dreadful Reviews and on Facebook slash Dreadful Reviews. On Instagram, you can follow myself at Shani Dreadful. That's C-H-A-N-N-Y. It's kind of weird. It sounds like Chani, but it's my name, Chantal. So, um, But yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on episode 100 of Horror Movie Podcast. I have listened to you guys since your very first episode, and I even went back wow. to listen. Yeah, when I like started when I was working, listening to you guys, I listened to you guys when you were doing horror movie podcast weekly. Oh, okay. Great. I went back wow, and listened yeah. to all of those episodes. So <laughs> I am so excited to be here. You have no idea. <laughs> that was nice. Oh, we've tried to schedule you so many times too, and it just has never worked out. So I'm just so happy we finally got you on the show. Absolutely. Well, here. Yeah, I think we, we all, you and I only got to speak briefly one time a long time ago on the dead is hell horror podcast. I think it was just a, you know, passing ships in the night. So I'm glad you were here and I hope you can come back and review, uh, you know, a film in depth with us on one of our feature reviews. Yes, I would definitely love that. I, I heard something about Twilight. <laughs> I don't think so. That's very funny that you say that because over on Movie Podcast Weekly, actually, we just interviewed a lady who worked on Twilight and, and she actually had some influence in the way that film turned out. And I asked her, um, you know, what did you tell the studio pertaining to horror fans? And it's really interesting, her answer in that. So that's coming up on the next Movie Podcast Weekly. But anyway, that's funny you say that. So <laughs> All right. awesome. I'll definitely have that one then. <laughs> All right, yep. Shani. Well, th thanks for being here. Uh, that's uh, Shani Dreadful of Dreadful Reviews, and uh, we'll have her linked in the show notes for this episode. Have a good night. Nice talking to you, Chantal. Yeah, it's thanks, good talking nice with talking you. Nice talking to you guys. Yep, take care. And at this point in Horror Movie Podcast, we're going to welcome that wild man from Chicago. This is our uh, one of our favorite voicemailers because he leaves the most hilarious freaking voicemails. Welcome, Adam. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's good. How are you? Good. Thanks. Thanks for calling me a wild man. You are a wild man. <laughs> I played around with just being like, hi. <laughs> but then I thought I would do that. I understand. I understand. So, Adam, are you, we have a, a long and storied history with you, but like, tell, tell the listeners how you got into the horror podcasting community. I know that you've been around the block a time or two yourself. Uh, yeah, you know what? I Well, first of all, I think you guys have discussed how I know – Maybe a little bit of all of you guys, just via small degrees, but definitely Josh through uh, Brian the Brain, uh, because I was in a band um, and worked with Brandon Steinekert, who was formerly of the Used and now in Rancid. And Josh, you are friends with 
that crew, I believe. Yes. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, yeah. So, but I did not know that before I started listening to you guys. And what was happening is I was listening to a podcast while I do art, uh, as many of you guys know. And I was listening to a podcast, and then out of nowhere, the podcast got canceled because they were just they were like a sister company of like a much larger entity. And out of nowhere. They got it canned and the father company just pulled all of their stuff. And I just remember sitting at my chair and getting the news and being like, I don't know what to do now. So I just (laughs) like it was like it was pretty sad because, you know, I'm in the studio. uh, It's it's, I almost feel like I'm hanging out with friends sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just typed in horror movie podcast and (laughs) like I didn't know you guys were a thing. Saw it in Google and I was like. I'll give these guys a go. And I was immediately judgmental because I just didn't want to accept a new friend in. And uh, right. yeah, Jay, you, you won me over. I, I just liked you too much. I was like, this guy, he's it. pleasant. He's pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when you met me in person, I have a suspicion because when we first saw each other, um, you're like, there you are. And I think, I think my appearance, my clean cut appearance was like, Maybe you were disappointed. You're like, he he's not a horror guy. No, well, I thought you were going to like, like, you know, the beginning of Terminator when Arnold Schwarzenegger is like, he's just buck naked and like knelt down. There's like a glowing light around. I, I thought that's what it was going to be like. Oh, OK. Yes, but I, it was. wasn't. So I, was, I was a little. No, 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 no. no, I had wondered, though, you are definitely an enigma uh, because I, I I had discussed with uh with my wife, Laura, who calls in with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, what do you think he looks like? I actually thought you had like long black hair. Nice. <laughs> like I was probably, I was way off. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a chubby, nerdy guy. I'm a, I'm a chubby Pee Wee Herman is what I look like. No. Oh, I do. No, well now, you know what? Now I like you even more. No, okay, good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> now I was very pleased to meet you and the, the meetup was really awesome i only got to be part of it for a small time because i had to cut and run but it's just nothing but good people in this community and listeners if you get a chance to go to one it's, it's really worth it because you are getting to you're getting to meet with like some comrades you know mm-hmm. like we're all just immediately friends it's really great yes we are yeah, adam i was talking to a uh, brain one day and he's like hey a friend of mine listens to your horror podcast I was like, oh, really? That's cool. He's like, and he, when he told me who you were, I was like, you know what? I've seen his band play before. Because when you guys had your CD release show. That's right. Uh, Brandon called everyone. <laughs> and so I went out and saw the Searchlight CD release party. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I've, I've been in the crowd with my lighter. <laughs> That's so awesome. Isn't life weird? Like, oh my gosh, to, to yeah. think how small of a world. It, that actually is the show where uh, the brain, he taught me the game. It's, it's not going to be as exciting telling you it just over the phone because you have to be in person. But maybe he can show you the game where uh, if you're standing in front of somebody, how to, how to discreetly look around behind you so you can catch a glimpse of someone without them seeing you. Uh, <laughs> and it's the funny so just do exactly what i'm telling you right there just walk like 15 feet in front of some buddies and pick one that you're going to look at and just try to look around you until you discreetly try to like sneak a quick peek at one of them it's i don't know why but it's the funniest thing you'll ever do anytime i show them they they crack up and uh that's what brian taught me uh the brain and as smart as he is it's actually the most uh 
the most pivotal thing he's taught me in life. Oh, that's, that. that's excellent. <laughs> All right, Adam. Well, thank you for being here. As you know, we're going to be discussing modern horror anthologies on this yes. podcast. And, and actually tonight you are going to be covering one of my very favorite modern horror anthologies. Tell us what it is. It is VHS. Yes. Nice. So not much surprise to many, I'm sure. I think it is kind of going down as, as a modern classic. Literally. I love it, but do, do you yeah. love it? I mean, how do you feel about it? Hmm. Well, Take- you know what? I, I I think it's, I do consider it a modern day classic as far as anthologies go. Like it's something I would definitely put on uh, during like Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have a feeling that I would make everyone pay attention to the bookends of the film which are the first segment, um, the first tape they watch, which is called Amateur Night, mm-hmm. and the final tape, which is called uh, 103198. Mm-hmm. And I think those are so strong that they make the entire thing a must watch. I agree. Yeah, yeah. The Amateur Night, I think, is genuinely scary. And I remember the first time I saw that, I was. I was actually scared watching yeah. a horror movie and that's really rare for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's something, you know, lately I've been trying to, um, I've been trying to gauge movies off of the question, could I watch this or how would, how would I feel if I watch this alone at, at like 11 o'clock at night in my house? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's been changing the way I look at a lot of things. Yeah. Um, which was one of my big things when I walked out of, I'm one of the very few people who seem to enjoy the new Blair Witch. <laughs> Uh, which which is interesting because I don't really like Adam Weingart's material too much. Oh, interesting. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Your Next. Uh, I, I, I'm one of the I'm one of the few people who don't like it. I'd have to revisit it again, but there was just uh, I remember being really irritated and, and having having intentions. The intentions felt very forced just to carry the movie along. Uh, we wouldn't need to get into that right now. Okay. Um, but uh, what, about but his, uh, what about his VHS two segment? Uh, which one did he do? He does. I think it's the first one of VHS two. It's called Phase One Clinical Trials, where the guy gets new eyes. That I did like. Mm. Uh, again, I'd have to revisit to see what my like current thoughts are. But I remember watching it, and it and I was uh, pretty edgy watching it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was that was effective. So I have like four pages of notes. I'm gonna like try to solidify. It. I really I, I learned myself really really well um, <laughs> doing this whole thing. Um, <laughs> But yeah, his segment, um, I guess I can kind of just start off from from the get-go. Uh, I think all around, one thing I can say with each segment is everyone does a pretty good job with like their improv, I suppose. And I think it's a really strong thing with found footage is I, you obviously want it to feel like you're really watching found footage. Mm-hmm. And almost the entire way through, um, everyone is ever directed really well. Or they just do a good job with feeling very natural, uh, and there's and there's only a few moments where it doesn't feel like that, and they do stick out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about about the first segment. It's called Tape Fifty Six, I believe, which is the Adam Weingart one. Um, you know, it, it does feel like you're watching a bunch of low life scummy guys. I have no idea how old they're supposed to be if they're just like <laughs> man children, uh, kind of running amok. And uh, yeah. and he does a pretty good job with like tension. And, and building up the whole time. And you always kind of think you're waiting for someone just to come around the corner or to walk past the light. So he does a good job with not like getting too greedy too quick. So it does build up throughout, but 
uh, I think my biggest complaint with that is, and this might be unfair to say, but because it's the film that strings everything together, uh, in a way, I feel like that should be the strongest thing. Because that's the, that's what you're waiting for that payoff the entire time, and I probably it may be unfair to impair, compare it to All Hallows Eve, because that in and of itself can stand alone as Terrifier, which I think <laughs> yeah. you guys have seen. Oh yeah. But when you watch it, that that's yep. that's the glue that holds it together, and it's so strong, and you remember that, uh, and it may, maybe I'm just comparing it, but uh, you know it was prevalent in in my my thoughts watching it, and I was a little let down watching it. Mm. Let me ask you a weird question, Adam. Yeah. I just like, yeah. I know you're a you're a very smart guy, and I, from talking to you at the meetup, you have a lot of great insight. So I wanted to run this by you. Mm-hmm. I, I we we didn't really mention it last week, and I think I I could put an argument out there for it. But the original Faces of Death film, I think it's from like '78. That you you could argue is kind of um a horror anthology of sorts and it does feel very found footage horror anthology and so i wondered if if things like vhs for example do do you think vhs is influenced because it it is a found footage horror anthology do you think that it may have been influenced by something like faces of death yeah um I think Faces of Death is, uh, I mean, between that and Cannibal Holocaust, I think everyone was a little influenced by that. But mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting you ask that because I, I literally just asked my sister-in-law, like while I was sitting here with my really sweet uh, headpiece on with a little mouthing that wraps around. <laughs> uh, I, was, I literally just was telling her what anthology, horror anthology, anthologies were. And I mentioned uh, Faces of Death. And I said, well, you know, actually, I'm not sure. But could we consider that? So it's interesting that you asked me that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, I think it is. Um, it that does feel like a little bit of a uh, until you realize it's fake. Growing up, you realize you kind of feel like you're watching some kind of taboo smut film right. in a way. <laughs> right. Um, right. But I think everyone is pretty um, is is pretty inspired by those. I think VHS is a little different because we're watching it. it it's very supernatural based, mm-hmm. and so. You know, I, I think in that in that sense, we we understand we're watching like a fun, uh, a fun ride that a bunch of directors and filmmakers have gotten together to give us. And I know I would never watch it and be like, this feels like it's real right now. That being said, the, the first segment with Adam Weingart does start off feeling if that just played on TV, I would definitely be like what the heck? Who are these jerks? What is this? What am I yeah. watching right now? Mm-hmm. Um, so he does that. It just doesn't really, I, I will say Adam Weingart is, uh, he's going to be handling um, a movie called death note, which is from an anime that I never, I never watched, although it looks pretty creepy. And uh, he's doing the remake of a movie called I saw the devil. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fantastic. I don't know it how is. I'm not, I mean, how do you guys feel about him taking over a remake of that? Yes. Oh, I don't I think like I don't think <laughs> I, it I, needs I, to be remade. Do you, Josh? No, no. I, you know, it's one of those things where, I mean, I felt this way about Let the Right One. <laughs> one hand, it sh- you could say it should never be remade. On the other hand, sometimes the remakes turn out okay, and it leads people back to the original film. And sometimes, like I would say with uh, Let Me In, it's a decent movie, and I think a lot more people saw Let the Right One in because it exists. So, uh, right. I saw the devil. Doesn't need to be remade. It's amazing. It's it's 
pure cinema, but maybe uh, I think Adam Weingart is talented and he might be a good choice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, if you haven't seen uh, um, I Saw the Devil, it is uh, it's a pretty fantastic film and will definitely play tug of war with your ethical mindset. Oh, yeah. 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 That's from 2010, everybody. And it's a it's a Korean film, right? South Korea. Mm -hmm. That's where it Uh comes from. Yeah. So that's a must. With VHS, though, I just wanted to ask you real quick then before we start wrapping it up. It seems like there's a lot of uh, sexual assault because that's really what it comes down to. There's a lot of voyeurism, creepy, Uh sleazy, you know, scumbag stuff going on in this. Do you think they were trying to push something forward with that thematically or do you think it just so happened that that there was a lot of that in this film? Um, I think it just so happened and it's. It's interesting that you bring that up because when I first, because I had seen this film already and I, and I revisited today. So it was as fresh as possible Mm -hmm. um, before I got on the phone with you guys. And that was the first thing I thought when I was finishing up with, with uh, amateur night was, Oh, this is a lot of, um, a lot of like sexual assault. If if I recall, it's really just the first, the Adam Weingart segment and amateur night that really pushed that forward. Everything else is not really based around that, mm-hmm. but we, we definitely are left with the taste in our mouth, that that is what it is. Um, so I'm not sure how to answer that considering I personally don't feel like it goes all the way with that. Right. Uh, I realize we're, we're wrapping up. I totally didn't. Um, I'll try to be quick with these, <laughs> um, uh, amateur night. Yes. It's the best one. Everyone, if you don't even want to watch, the all of VHS, just watch Amateur Night. If you want to, like, if you want to know what a what I would say is definitely a horror classic, a new horror classic. It's it's a ten out of ten all the way. Um, and that that whole short has zero jump scares. That's what's so great about it. Yeah, everything is is just timing and tension. Um, everyone's really great in it. And they are, are actually making, well, they have made a, a full-length feature of that. that gets released uh, December 2nd of this year. Oh, wow. Excellent. Yeah, which I, I just found out today. It's written by, um, oh, God, I think it's written by the same guy, but the director is new. Um, and that person, uh, ugh, I hadn't really heard of anything that they had done. Uh, but either way, I'm going to see it. Uh, Hannah, um, I don't recall her last name, but the actress who plays the creature in it, she is back as the starring role again. And I'm in 100% for that. Oh, yeah, um, me too, then. <laughs> uh, my least favorite segment is Second Honeymoon, the Ty West film. Hmm. Really? Uh, I can't stand that one. I hate, <sighs> I hate Joe Swanberg. I hate Joe Swanberg. But it was the first time I was like, oh, like, this is interesting. And, huh. and it's I think it's got a little, I think um, it's Jay's influence on me with Alice, sweet Alice. I think that was like, perked uh, uh-huh. my interest a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought the approach to it as found footage was really convincing. And again, I like, I really appreciate that. Uh, I, I like that you say that um, as I was watching it um, <laughs> without sounding like some like pretentious, like, yeah, like I'm an actor, but um, I <laughs> act and make and make film as well. So I, um, part of me will always maybe consider like, hmm, how, how would I do that if I was on the creator's end or how would I approach this? You know, I don't ever try to tell anyone what they should do or what needs to be done, but it's just, you know, Josh, you, I'm sure you know exactly in a way what I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it did feel, it felt very real. It was an interesting way they went about it. And I, and I had this thought like, 
Todd, did they just, did Ty West just send these actors out and literally just film their tourist attraction experience and then just cut together, which is cool, but it did feel like that. Um, I, I just, he, he was, I don't know. I hadn't seen him in anything else. Uh, um, Joe uh, Swansburg, Swansburg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I thought he was, he was actually, and the acting is all pretty fantastic and believable the whole way around. Um, but just the reveal of the whole thing, it, is so uninspired and i and i literally feel like they could have been like they could have been building robots the whole time and you could have had that same ending right yeah it's just irritating <laughs> because we're, we're watching this whole thing and of course we feel like something is really grand and something is really crazy and like what what is who is happening who is it what, what's happening so then when it sort of happens it just feels incredibly uninspired you're like oh okay so you just went out of your way to act all that out and to go all that effort for, for no reason. And because, <laughs> because it all felt so genuine and because their relationship felt so real, uh, that, that twist was so counter to even so more hard. inauthentic kind of, yeah, I'm like, I don't know. It just, it just felt like I'm going to be shocking now for the sake of shocking. I'm not in his head. Um, but I, I just, I really didn't like it because, and, and also one other things that I noticed about it is the only film that I feel like doesn't really belong because it's the only one that's not supernaturally based. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. Adam, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. We have to wrap up soon, but uh, I know you I know love I like talking to you guys. I do. Talking. Well, thank you. We're flattered. <laughs> yep. I know you like uh 1031 98, right? You said you appreciated that segment. Do you want to talk about yeah. that real quick? Um, yeah, 103198. Uh, there's, I really don't have a lot to say about it because okay. everything about it is fantastic. Right. The acting is good. The, the guys feel like they're friends. I'm pretty sure they are. They all worked on multiple films together, including, I believe, they're the writer and director of this one. Um, the, the effects are great. It's a really good example of how we should be pairing special effects along with little things like moving a chair around from room to room to mm -hmm. like suck the audience in and not just rely heavily on, on just special effects. I, um, I don't have a lot to say about it. It's, it's the bookend of this whole thing. It's a must see. I think it's a pinnacle in a haunted horror house idea. And, um, it is scary and daunting to put yourself in their shoes. And then that story. Oh, I'm with you. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's one that's particularly fun having the outside-in perspective as the viewer and knowing what's happening is tremendous. But Okay, yeah. so what and, do you rate VHS, Adam? That's what I'm dying to know. That is a hard question to, to answer because there are so many low points for me. Or not low points, but um, uh, I, I, would rate, um, I would rate the whole thing as, as a must-see. Uh, for, just for one time, just experience all of it. Experience an anthology film because there aren't many of them. Um, I, I would give the thing in entirety like a six and a half out of ten with the uh, uh, with Amateur Night and 10, uh, 31, 98 being both probably nine or ten out of tens. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think I rated this before and I think I was in the uh, 7, 7.5 range. I actually love it quite a bit and even uh -huh. more upon revisiting it. Um, Wolfman Josh, what do you give it? I haven't revisited this in quite a while, although I do see it is streaming on Amazon Prime and Netflix uh -huh. for free. So I'm going to catch up with it for the Halloween season. Um, but I think I 
from memory, I would have probably said it was a 7.5 just based on what, uh, you know, my recollection of it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's an easy stream on Netflix and Amazon. So I would check it out. Uh All right. That sounds great. So Adam, thanks for being here to review VHS for us. It was great catching up with you again. And this is the man right here, Adam. We're going to have him back um, for a very special episode that, that he actually told me about. It was his idea, and it's the Hear Me Out episode, which is freaking hilarious. Um, we're, <laughs> so we're going to be yes. demonstrating that here uh, coming up in, the, in a few weeks. But, Adam, thanks for your time tonight. Will you let the listeners know yeah. where they can catch up with you? Give us your plugs. You guys, uh, the best way is get on Instagram. Follow me at Adam's Art Box. Uh, that is the quickest way to see all the things that I'm doing. Uh, Jay, before we reconvene, do you have a hear me out recommendation you're going to prep for it? Or oh, man. I, I have actually been working on a list, <laughs> especially for you, because your list was I really enjoyed your list. He gave it to us right okay. there in the restaurant. It was a blast. This is super fun, guys. You're going to love it. The listeners are going to really enjoy this episode. But um, OK, so I'll, I'll have it ready and we'll do that right. in a few weeks. But Adam, thanks again for joining us. We really Thank appreciate you guys you. so much. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I, I just want to plug your art too, because it's incredible. I recently purchased the Stranger Things piece. I love it. I'm getting a beautiful frame for it in my house. So uh, definitely check out Adam's art box. It's awesome. Yeah, I got to back that you on that. I, I, I am actually getting a frame for the queen bee that Adam gave to me. It's the, the mother alien in this thing is incredible my wife is not very happy about it <laughs> although she 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 does appreciate the magnificent artistry of course and my son loves it he wants me to hang right. it in his room so thanks adam again and thanks for being at the meetup buddy you're the best absolutely you guys thank you all so much and uh listeners thank you for supporting and i'll talk to you guys soon all right give laura our best oh she's great i will okay take care buddy goodbye take Bye, care Happy 100 episode, Horror Movie Podcast. This is the Wild Man Willis here. Always great to hear you and glad I had a chance to be on the show. And Jay is right. Suspiria is a born movie. This is the only time I really agree with him about a movie. So I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. So Wolfman Josh, as we start to wrap up this thing, we did get an email from Bill about horror anthologies and he says i recently discovered your podcast i know i should have known about it earlier (laughs) and i've been enjoying listening to the back episodes (laughs) particularly the shock cinema series i enjoyed your latest episode on early anthologies and two that you seem to skip over are vault of terror and dr terror's house of horrors i quite enjoyed both movies and i encourage you to find them and watch them In my opinion, the stories in Vault of Terror are stronger, but the wraparound story was cool. And a fine cast with Christopher Lee, Donald Sutherland, and Donald Cuff. When you were talking about The Twilight Zone and Burgess Meredith, I thought of another unmentioned anthology film of the era, Torture Garden, in which Meredith plays a carnival carny with Michael Ripper. How many of these films was he in? He plays a creepy character that has stuck with me as one of my favorite of his career. The stories are weaker, but the wraparound story was great. Cheesiness at its creepy best. Anyways, I look forward to the next installment and keep up the good work. So thank you, Bill, for writing. Nice. 
So as we're wrapping up here, I just want people to know we do have some excellent contest giveaways, such as three incredible posters and some free DVDs, I think, right, Josh? But we've had some yep. requests from the listeners to try to extend that, maybe, that's the giveaway for a little bit. So what we're going to do is we're going to save it to the end of the month and at the end of the second Slasher episode, which will essentially be our Halloween episode. And that was the next thing on my list. The next two episodes, we'll be covering 80 slashers. And our special guest that we have planned is Greg Amortis from Land of the Creeps. Yes. We also want to encourage people to check out our 31 Days of Halloween coverage where we have uh, Dr. Shock and some of the listeners of Horror Movie Podcast. And maybe Josh and I will jump in there at some point this month and yeah. submit written reviews. Our friend, Joel Robertson over on uh, Retro Movie Geek. Really cool stuff. But over there, Joel wrote to me, he knows that we're a big fan, or at least I'm a big fan of the Lore Podcast. Amazon has greenlit a horror anthology series of those Lore Podcast episodes. Oh, cool. So, and that's extremely exciting to me because those are freaky episodes. They were born to be horror movies or at least like little shorts it sounds like that'll be perfect and it fits right in with this episode so joel thank you so much for giving us the heads up on that i really appreciate it on that topic i heard about a new horror anthology television series that's on sci-fi channel which is supposed to be awesome and the person i saw commenting on it said it's way too good for sci-fi but um it's called channel zero candle cove and apparently it's like a creepy pasta show (laughs) <laughs> Which I'm not really familiar with the creepypasta stuff, but I know it's like the new hip young millennial thing in the horror community. I just am so old that uh, I'm not even really familiar with any creepypasta stuff other than like. Uh, now you're not talking band. about Capaletti or Angel Hair or. <laughs> just, exactly. I'm just kidding. That's, Sorry. That's what Jay and I think of when we hear about creepypasta. <laughs> I know. Sorry. But um, yeah, so this is a new series and supposedly it's awesome and supposedly it's horror anthology. And there's just one image that was posted with this article on it that I'm looking at. And it's one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just an entire human body covered only with teeth. So you can't see the eyes. You just kind of see like kind of holes where the eyes should be and kind of holes where the nose and the mouth should be. But it's just like covered every single centimeter is covered with human teeth. <laughs> and uh, nice. that's the main image for the show. So, so it looks scary. Yeah. Now you're talking. Oh. That sounds great. There are two things about this show, episode 100, that I really loved. And that was the incredible outpouring from our uh, listeners. We got a lot of just positive feedback. There are such nice reviews there on iTunes. It's honestly more than we deserve. And I'm not just being trite. That is the truth. It's literally more than we even deserve. So that was one half of what made this show uh, just tremendous to me. And the other half was uh, these call-ins that we got peppered throughout the show here from our colleagues, our fellow horror critics in the horror podcasting community. I want to thank Peter for his call. Um, Peter's on RetroMovieGeek.com, and that's with Joel Robertson. And that show, I mean, they are hilarious over there, and it's awesome. And right now, at this time of year, they do their 2016 Spooky Flicks Fest. And actually, you'll hear a couple of us making guest appearances over there. So make sure you're watching that through the month of October. 
Also, Bill Shetty from Horror on the Go. He called in. I want to thank Bill Shetty. And as I said at the beginning, he's always meant a lot to me and been an inspiration of mine. And the same goes for Greg Amortis from Land of the Creeps. Really appreciate your words. Thanks for calling in, Greg. You are the best. And then Ron Martin and Little Miss Horror Nerd, that message was hilarious. They crack me up every time. It is so much fun being on their show. They have the Resurrection of Zombie 7 podcast. They'll review one movie and they'll spend like two hours on it going scene by scene, analyzing all sorts of minutiae that you never even noticed. Trust me on that. And uh, Ron is fond of bringing trivia. And as you've heard, Little Miss Horror Nerd, our friend Jessica, is fond of having her cats nearby and they do participate in the podcast it's hilarious so if you get a chance make sure you check that out i also want to thank boss butcher from terror troop and found footage files known boss butcher for a long time and i gotta tell you he is the nicest guy in horror podcasting hands down nobody even comes close thank you boss for your message I also want to thank and give much love to Matroid and Station from the Sci-Fi Podcast. What an exceptional show. If you like what Horror Movie Podcast does with horror movies, they do the exact same thing with sci-fi films. And it's fantastic. I couldn't recommend it highly enough. I really hope you'll check them out, please. That's the Sci-Fi Podcast. And of course, they'll be linked in the show notes And then I also want to thank my old friend and my former co-host of The Donut Show, the wild man, Willis Wheeler. Now, Willis is in so many things. It's even hard to uh, keep track of all of it, but let me see if I can do most of it here. Willis participates in the two drink commentaries, the NFW, No Effing Way commentaries podcast. He has his own YouTube channel. He's on Terror Troop, Boss Butcher's show. And he's also on the Cinema Beef podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at NastyWillDC. And he's also on Facebook. So thanks, Willis, for calling in as well. I love and respect all y'all. We really appreciate your messages. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up episode 100 of Horror Movie Podcast. We want to thank everybody who has been with us all along the way, even if you're a brand new listener or if you've been here since the weekly Horror Movie Podcast. Thank you so much. We love you all. I hope you'll check out our sister show, Movie Podcast Weekly. That show is ridiculous. Check out my friend Joshua on Movie Streamcast. I still say Movie Streamcast is one of the best movie podcasts on the internet, Josh. That thing is underrated. That needs to be loved more. It needs to get more attention. We're doing uh, all spooky Halloween movies for the month of October. No actual hardcore horror because we save that all for horror movie podcasts typically. But um, we're reviewing kind of mostly like childhood favorites. A lot of movies we talked about on our kitty horror show and the horror comedy show where we did Teen Wolf and Beetlejuice. So we're going to do Buffy the Vampire Slayer and stuff like that. So. Well, I'm always a big fan of the way you cover things, Josh. And so that's why I enjoy listening to that show so much. So, yeah, check out Movie Streamcast, everybody. Also, check out GeekCast Live podcast. I'm sure they'll be doing some really ridiculous things also for Halloween. There's no doubt about that. What about your plugs, Josh? What do you have? Just what Jay said. I just keep that going with all all of the nice 
uh, horror hosts and people that complimented us and congratulated us, us on 100 episodes. Check out their shows. They're all worthwhile. Then on the Joel and Retro Movie Geek note, I will be appearing on their Frighteners episode of the <laughs> Spooky Flicks Fest. So I love it. Looking forward to that. Okay. That's it. I'm on, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Icarus Arts. Great. Okay, Dave, so uh, what are your plugs? Where can people find you on the internet? Check me out at dvdinfatuation.com. Uh, still going strong, and I'm actually closing in on number 2222. Uh, I'm going to hit that uh, in a few oh, days man. now. Probably by the time the show goes out, it's, it, I'll be there. Dave's like, 100? What's 100? I, I hit 100 like seven years ago. Like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, a little bit different. Yeah, still going. I'm loving doing the 31 Days of October. I got to tell you. I really, really think I'm going to have to do this every year. I'm just having so much fun, you know, checking up with these movies that, you know, some of them are ones that, that you guys have reviewed and I haven't seen them yet, you know, from newer ones out in the theater. Uh, going back and watching some of the ones from the 80s, it's just, it's just too much fun. And there's always so many horror movies out there that every year you could fill the 31 days. And, and what's really cool is I'm going to have to check. I have a whole list of the ones I was going to watch. I got to change it up a little because on October 24th, Lights Out comes out on Blu-ray and I'm going to throw that into the mix as well. Oh, it's a must. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to definitely check that one out and make that part of the 31 days also. Did you do um, Green Room this, yet, Dave? Actually, I have that uh, on the list. I will be doing that in um, next, the next two or three days. I will be doing Green Room. Dave does these great older films, but I just love as I've been following his 31 days of Halloween. I love seeing his reviews for movies that Jay and I discussed back when they were in theaters and mm-hmm. just hear, finally getting to hear what Dave's take on them is like um, he just recently did Crimson Peak and I know you've got like you said Green Room and It Follows and, and now Lights Out coming up like I'm so excited to hear what you think of those movies yeah. oh well thank you yeah and I'm, and I'm having a lot of fun watching them. Like, I, and I have The Visit The Visit is going to be coming up pretty soon too yeah no it, it's, it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun to the, the mix of the old and the new and I'm going to have to make it every I'm going to have to do that every year. I'm just going to have to do, you know, once October rolls around, I've got to do that. But anyway, you can check me out on Twitter at DVDinfatuation.com. Uh, my Facebook page also uh, with a search on DVD Infatuation. That'll get you there. I have not been for a while, but I will be back on very soon. The Land of the Creeps podcast, which I'm looking forward to also getting back on that. And of course, you can always hear me for the next uh, 100 episodes of a horror movie podcast. I'll be right here. Woo! <laughs> Oh, and here's a real quick plug for Adam from Chicago. He's actually releasing some horror shorts on YouTube through a channel called Play Dead Films, and it is a horror anthology, so very timely and appropriate for this episode. This horror anthology is called Horror and Chill, and Adam says that the first part of the anthology is called Throat Scorpion. (laughs) Throat Scorpion, that's right. And he thinks that the HMP community will enjoy it, so... Go ahead and check that out if you would and support our friend Adam. And I want to make sure also that everybody has checked out Mr. Watson's new horror podcast over there at the Horrorphilia Network. It's called Horror Corridor, and it is an excellent show. Tremendous solo cast where Mr. Watson goes in-depth analyzing the horror genre in a fascinating and academic way. That'll be linked in the show notes as well. Okay, this just in. Now, this is why you should always listen all the way to the end of the podcast, because sometimes we get breaking news and, you know, information later on in the show. So 
Dino texted me a little PS with another modern horror anthology that we missed, and it's from 2016. It's a movie called Patient 7. The IMDb premise reads, Dr. Marcus is a renowned psychiatrist who has selected six severe, mentally ill, and dangerous patients from the Spring Valley Mental Hospital to interview as part of research for his new book. <laughs> now, Dino rates this a 7 out of 10, and he says it has a very strong main story. That alone, Dino, makes it something that I want to see. And I actually really like that premise, too. And Dino also said that he wanted to amend his rating of Southbound and bump it up half a point to 7.5 out of 10. So thanks, Dino. And um, that's legal. I'll give you some wiggle room on that since I uh, keep changing Trick or Treat's rating and keep bumping it up like every year, basically. So thanks again, Dino. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, Mr. Kagan Breitenbach from Salt Lake City sent us this incredible arrangement of the horror movie podcast theme music by Fred Ingram. He's done his own take on this, and it's incredible, as you heard in the intro. And so what we're going to do is include the entire thing at the end of this show because Kagan inserts a few more tributes that you will recognize. So stick around here in a minute, and you're going to hear the entire arrangement. It's incredible. So thanks again, Kagan, and we'll have Kagan's music and his links available for you in the show notes here for episode 100. As always, you know we love your comments, so you can get involved in the horror movie podcast community that we love so well. Keep those comments coming. You can leave a comment in the show notes for this episode or any episode, or you can email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com. Call and leave us a voicemail at 801-382-8789. You can find all of our back episodes to this show, all 100 of them, as well as all 26 episodes of the weekly horror movie podcast and all 10 episodes of Horror Metropolis at our website, horrormoviepodcast.com. Subscribe free in iTunes, follow us on Twitter at horrormoviecast, and I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for the Horror Movie Podcast theme song. You can find more of Fred's music at frederickingram.com. I'll have it linked in the show notes. And I think that's it for episode 100. We thank you for listening and join us again next Friday for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Horror Movie Podcast.